guest, Spencer. Spencer, how are you? Hey, everybody. BJ. BJ, how you doing? Good. How are you? And my man, Levi. Levi, what's happening? Living the dream. All right. We are here. Spencer, what day is it? Uh, we are actually recording on Saturday this time. I can say this without any question of honesty. We are recording on Saturday, but a little bit different here. We're recording early. It's about 11 a.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time, which means BJ is drinking whiskey at 8 o'clock in the morning. First step in uh, uh, his journey to be a hobo. BJ, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing surprisingly well. I actually get up fairly early, um, but also the uh, whiskey this early is, is a little bit of a fuck you, so I do appreciate that. Um, so, so I actually have an addition to this podcast, which I'm going to get shortly because uh, this is my fuck you to, to the rest of the people here, and and uh, and I appreciate that. So um, we'll get started a little bit, and I'll get the uh, the second part. <laughs> okay. Well, let's get a little housekeeping out of the way. Uh, check out some of our other, other pods on the uh, Mangum Talks podcast channel. We actually have uh, Season 8 trailer for Game of Thrones coverage up right now on the GOC Got Questions podcast. Spencer and I did it. was a lot of fun. We have a new episode of Mangum Reads coming soon. I believe this is the one about Midnight Garden of Good and Evil. BJ, is that right? BJ has stepped away. Yes, you are correct. Spencer, tell us about that pod. Uh, we have decided to divide Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil into three parts because otherwise it is an utterly unapproachable book. Um, we did the first part discussing what could be, I guess, creatively described as the main plot, not that the book really wants to focus on that, and it kind of eventually descended me doing a version of legal nerd bitching. Um, but yeah, we had quite a bit of fun with uh, rambling about the, the overarching plot of a book that is not overarching for about two and a half hours, and we will return next week to discuss characters. Nice. All right, looking forward to that one. That'll be up soon. And then me and Levi, at some point, are going to do an NBA pod about the playoffs. It's coming. I don't know when, but it's coming. That's enough of the housekeeping. Let's move on to the whiskey. Spencer, you actually provided whiskey for this episode. Oh, yeah. A bit of a change of pace. I have sent you all two bottles of, uh, I'll just say, quite different bourbon. And uh, we can start. I can, I can introduce one or the other whenever you guys like, or we can get the topics first. Let's let's introduce one so we can have a we can go ahead and pour and we'll we'll start some topics. Uh, BJ, given that it's morning hours, would you like to start with the higher proof or the lower proof? Um, it doesn't really matter to me because I have steak and eggs in front of me. Okay, well we'll go with the uh, Tennessee bourbon then. I've got uh, this would be the non-white label because I just didn't bother to write the names in the little bottles I sent y'all. Racialist. Thank you, Levi. Problematic. Uh, this is a premium small batch, uh, aged seven years, of uh, Tennessee bourbon that was rec- recommended to me by a co-worker who I don't know if they have any taste whatsoever. I have not tried it yet. It is 103 proof. Ooh, and Other than it's Tennessee bourbon. Spencer, hopefully this, this podcast doesn't take off because if I was your co-worker and, and heard that, I would be a little bit offended. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna validate that coworker's decision here in a second. I, I understand. I think there's a lot of reasons that we don't want this podcast to take off. <laughs> <laughs> so Spencer, what's the name on that whiskey? Uh, uh, I'm gonna tell you guys after you try it. Uh, that that's okay. never good. Oh, this is sketch magoo. Let's go. Please be fireball. Nope. Mm-hmm. It is not fireball. I wish I really wish it was fireball. And just sort of peek peek behind the covers here on a text exchange this morning um we were questioning what spencer would, would give us and we thought it'd be hilarious if, if it was fireball so um, actually it's really funny that you texted that levi because 
like two days ago, maybe three, I t- uh, was texting with Lee and I was like, you know, I wonder what Spencer's going to send. Here are some things that I'm hoping. Um, I figured, you know, maybe he could pick up some of that uh, Game of Thrones whiskey and he'd go with that because he, you know, he thought that might be something entertaining. Or what I thought would be really funny is if he did Fireball because uh, he just was like, I hate you guys and I want you guys to suffer too because you made me suffer over New Year's. Again, this, this is moments where I really wish I was a more creative person because, God, I wish I'd sent you guys dyed Fireball. That would have been so much fun. You would have been... <laughs> Uh, Spencer, that's not on your character, so I would appreciate that. I wish it was. Anyway, so uh, okay, well, I've tried it. Um, okay, I curious everybody's be, views. I find it to be sweet. It's clearly yes. overproofed. Um, I think it's something I would probably mix. It'd be like a mixing whiskey for me, like if I'm having a like a bourbon and coke. BJ, what do you think? Yeah, um, I fairly well agree with you. I actually find it funny that you say overproofed since it's just over a hundred. Um, I know that like 80 proof is now the uh, the normal mo, but that's uh, for me. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I get a, a little bit of like caramel and leather and and some other stuff. It's a perfectly acceptable whiskey, but um, it's a little bit on the sweet side for me. I actually think that Adam would quite like this. Ooh, that's a good call. That is a good call. And you guys have take, taken the. The obvious take, which yes, it's it's very sweet. I'm actually, I don't usually taste things. Um, what at, at an intense level? How nuanced am I? My palate. Um, I'm actually getting a little. Just bit opens scared. his gullet and like let it slide down. Let's back up. Did you say I don't easily taste things? That too, yes. That's a sense you said. Yeah. Name of the pod. That's the name of this episode. But I'm getting Jerry. <laughs> um, it's sort of sweet and and. I think think you're right on there, Terry. Some sort of like more bittery um, soda style thing to yeah. make with food would be delicious. Spencer, do you like it? I actually kind of like it. I agree with you guys. I think it'd be better as a mis- as a mixing uh, whiskey bourbon rather than something to drink straight. But it has a kind of a fruity sweet note on the front, and then a bit more of a bitter. I think, like you said, BJ, leathery taste on the back, which it goes I kind of well in coffee. <laughs> <laughs> the joys of a show at 11 o'clock and our end at 8 on BJ's. We get to try new things with our, with our bourbon. BJ is leaning into this being very early. BJ, you're having like a like a sort of like 19th century like male in the country breakfast, right? You've got <laughs> yeah, like steak, eggs, and coffee and whiskey. Oh, yeah. He's he's definitely in Idaho in, in frontier times. <laughs> this, is, this is breakfast in Deadwood. <laughs> do you happen to have like cornflakes in your house? Do you actually can just pour the bourbon in and eat it that way? I'd love to see that. Um, I actually just finished my uh, Cheerios, but but otherwise I I wouldn't do that because just everything about that sounds disgusting. So, so now that you mentioned it, I do have a plan for you for next New Year's. Oh Lord, you are planning this okay. market. What what is the plan? Or is it going to be? Can you do or? that? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know this isn't planned, but I, I'm curious. So, so be, uh, you just answered the question, which is, what cereal do you eat? You eat Cheerios, uh, which is a very generic uh, option. Uh, Spencer. What do I for cereal? Ooh, good yeah. topic, Levi. I typically do a mix. I will do uh, multigrain Cheerios mixed with, uh, it used to be called Just Right Cereal. I think it's called uh, uh, Great Grains, Great Grains now. Some sort of like a, so off 
very specific. It's like the very very grains mixed with like you know uh, dried dates and raisins and that kind of thing mixed together. So does it help make you regular? Do you do you mix in great nuts too? Because that that sounds like um, I'm 70 and and you know I found something that goes with my prune juice and that was it. Okay, Ten okay, minutes into nick- the pod, and we're on Spencer's bowel movements. This is good. <laughs> my, my nickname in Mangum was the 70 year old cat lady. This has always been who I am. You're not shouldn't be surprised by this. Yeah, and B, BJ, you've stolen my thunder. Grape nuts is my jam. If if I'm eating, <laughs> which I very rarely do. But grape nuts are awesome. Yeah. So I actually said Cheerios, but the, the cereal that I do prefer is Crispix. I really like how the, really? the milk gets trapped oh. in the uh, yeah, Crispix. Yeah. yeah, that's a good call. What about you, Terry? Got that honey nut. Honey nut? Honey nut Cheerios? Honey nut Cheerios, yes, sir. Man, we are endorsing Cheerios this podcast. Y'all are some I, amazing I used to really like um, Cocoa Crisp, I think it's called. Whatever the one with, like, it's like cookies. Cocoa Puffs? No, the cuckoo co- for cocoa puffs. The no, cookie the, one. The, the cookie one, yeah. <laughs> okay. But I mean, like, once you hit like thirty, it's like I'm not going to eat a bowl of cookies. <laughs> it's ridiculous. That's as silly as drinking whiskey at eight a.m. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, Spencer, oh, that was a, a a a uninteresting answer by you. I really uh, hope you're going something something you know something childlike. <laughs> you, may, you guys may hear Bridget's review of this uh, bourbon in the background right now. Oh boy. Yeah, I'm. Not She's surprised not you you didn't go with fruity pebbles or something like that. I just, honestly, I just I see Spencer eating habits as the most boring and lazy ones that you could possibly have, and still justify being thirty. It, it's all about the calories and the vitamins, my friend. I'm going to, in my mind's eye, just just ignore your answer and just imagine you on a Saturday morning with a bowl of fruity pebbles or something like that uh, on the couch watching uh, cartoons. I'm, I'm going to or anime. My, my I was going to say, I, f- I feel like this might be the biggest recommendation you've given him for having children. <laughs> my 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 prelim to drinking today was actually a uh, a plastic container full of strawberries that I cut last night, and uh, half of a bagel covered in cream cheese. You got all that done in 30 minutes, and, and still put on some clothes. And I got all that done in five and minutes, and we're hair, assuming I'm wearing clothes. Got his hair brushed. Well, we know that you're wearing at least some clothes, so. You, you you know what's in frame. All right, guys. Let's Please get don't going stand up. on an agenda. Oh, um, oh and uh, j- just to finish the thought, by the way, that was Kirkland brand bourbon. That is actually the, their small batch. They recently they recently switched from Kentucky to Tennessee a couple years back, and uh, you can buy it at Kirk, at, uh, at Costco for uh, one liter for about thirty bucks. Spencer, so, have <laughs> you gone all in on being in Florida? Oh my gosh! Costco is an is a, is a national brand. What are you asking? Are you talking about here? Yeah, but you can't get whiskey there in North Carolina. Okay, it, it, in Florida, you can go into the any grocery store and just buy the highest proof vodka that you want. That's I don't think Florida has laws, so I mean it's really not relevant. To <laughs> there are that. some, just not about alcohol. We're taxes. Uh... <laughs> we have we have sales tax, no property tax, or any other real kind of state tax. But you know, we got something. Spencer, I have a question for you. Yes. Why withhold the name until after we tried it? I guess the fact I was buying buying you guys Costco brand bourbon. I was curious of uh, how you would think about that after the fact. Uh, <laughs> BJ would love it. Terry and I wouldn't care. Um, nope. It's the answer. It's like whatever. It's... <laughs> I, I like that you say that I, I love it. I, I am a little bit disappointed. See, this Why? is anticipating. Because he's cheap. The other one I paid. The other one I paid top dollar for. So I'm curious to see what you guys think about it. I mean, it, all right, nice tease. 
it is it is sort of on the cheaper side, and that's sort of one of the things that like that there's a difference between getting a bargain. You know, okay, so 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 let's go. You know, as uh, you know, far into this as we can. There's a difference between getting a bar- bargain and just like getting something that that's cheap. And I generally find. Are, Okay, random question. Uh, who here is a Costco member or a member of any big, big box store? I mean, yeah. Do you, do you include Amazon? Yeah. No, not Amazon. Like, you know. Um, Harris Teeter Food Line, yeah. I'm, I'm a member. I'm an MVP. <laughs> I think Spencer's saying, do, does anybody else pay to shop at a store? Yes. That's yes. what he's asking, but I do not. Yes. No. This is the question I'm asking. Nope, I do not. Okay. No. No, I'm right. an MVP. I'm, no. I'm not opposed to the concept. Uh, it's just not convenient. And uh, also, I don't like going to the grocery store. So. Yeah, and, and as I, I sort of everybody knows, I prefer getting my stuff in bulk delivered to my door. Well, that yeah. and then the second option is going to be in, in bulk. Evidence a by my recent con- Amazon delivery. What What is that, BJ? Cottonelle. Uh, it's some, some sort of tissue product. Oh, oh Lord. Of course. Purple Cottonelle toilet paper because it's the Six best. fly? Yeah. Um, well, it, so it's actually funny. I was recently listening to another podcast that I kind of like, My Brother, My Brother and Me, and they were talking about the embarrassment of going into a store and buying large amounts of toilet paper. And the episode was in like 2014, 15. I was just like, why, why are you going to a store buying dry goods? Like Amazon's there. Yeah, just participate in killing America. That's great, yeah. Also participate in killing the environment, uh, BJ. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, just waste cardboard. All good. I mean, most of that that stuff is is, uh, paper trees, and those get replanted regularly anyway. We're not talking about, like, cutting down the Amazon for cardboard. Amazon apologist, BJ Slater. (laughs) There's some truth to this. The majority of paper farms are just, you know, set pine groves that are just planted immediately after they're torn down. In some ways, this is actually contributing to a decrease in global warming, the fact that these farms exist and are continually replanted. Disagree, because it takes energy to repurpose the cardboard. If you're recycling recycling the cardboard, it takes energy to do that. Where's the energy coming from? Probably a power grid, probably coal. You're you're assuming a degree of recycling that I wasn't actually implying at this transaction. I'm saying these trees would not ever exist were this industry not in place. Spencer, did you okay, do you agree so in like researching this because you didn't become an environmental lawyer, and so you're just like, oh God, I just need to get a little bit in my life. I'm I'm lamenting this as I drink. Yes, we are complete. We are completing the description of the career I wanted to have and then was thwarted from because of a downturn in the economy. Okay, so I, now uh, that we've made BJ and Spencer feel better about uh, consuming goods from Amazon, um, uh, Spencer goes with Costco. Costco. Spencer doesn't do Amazon. Which is right next door to me, so it's easy to just go over there and buy all my toilet paper and then come home. Spencer, now yeah. I'm just imagining you in like your your sort of mesh shorts and a t-shirt, just like wandering over in mesh. slippers to what, cargo whatever. Cargo pants, like, my friend. Come on. Okay, cargo pants, and just like wandering over to Costco and just like you know having stuff under your arms, like waddling back to your house, and it's just like, all right, I've stuffed up for the rest of the week. We're good. Uh, you've got the description correct, but except imagine the, the toilet paper as a actually carrying board for the other items that I got. But yes, otherwise correct. Spencer, do you know when like the the like the afternoon where they're doing all the samples, and do you like target 
Like the, oh, yes, like the Saturday afternoon the samples? It is me with the pensioners just roaming the aisles having samples of whatever free items they're offering that day. As, what do you think Spencer's launch is going to be in about you know, two and a half hours? It's true. I need to get apples for the week. And so I will go and I will enjoy the free samples of whatever particular Indian or salmon dish that they're offering this week. I like how you typically pull out salmon, and I imagine you going on the Costco website, and it's like, samples, Saturday, 316. <laughs> and, and also, I'm kind of amused. I guess I would expect there to be something uh, St. Patrick's Day related, you know, maybe a, a corned beef and... and Possible. Uh, I haven't been there yet. So that is actually one of the things that I really like about H-Mart, um, is that they'll have like random samples of Asian food as you go through. And so they'll have like six-year-old Asian ladies, like, you know, frying up pot stickers and stuff like that and making different like ramens that you can buy and have little uh, uh, containers uh, of ramen and, and they'll give you like a toothpick to try and like get the noodles out, which I think is like the funniest way of trying to eat ramen. Okay, guys, on your BJ Bingo card, uh, check Asian food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lee, you had topics. We distracted you with Costco. What, do you, what have you got for us? Well, I want to give credit to us because, Spencer, you bought us cheap bourbon, and without knowing that it was cheap, we all agreed that it should be mixed with Diet Coke or Coke. So credit <laughs> to us. That's part of the fun of it. I, and next one, I can't hide it. I'm going to say what it is, and I imagine BJ is going to be offended, but we'll find out. Um, I'm a, I also feel a little bit bad about recommending it to Adam. Oh yeah, that, that that's a bit of shade. Yeah, it does. <laughs> you know, when you said it, it did strike me as true that this is something that Adam would enjoy sipping on the porch someday. Well, we can rest easy that Adam will not listen to this. Not at all. <laughs> all right. Or so his wife. Get going. I was going to say that uh, I, I was going to have Sarah, my wife, join, uh, but she actually is busy this morning. Uh, she's actually preparing a trip. She's going to recreate the trip in the book Eat, Pray, Love. She's really excited about that. Whoa. <laughs> All right, so this is, a, this is a callback to the last Mangum Reads episode. Uh, BJ, apparently, I, w- I didn't listen to this yet. It's not out, but she, here's, my, here's <laughs> I, I what I know. She here's what I know. deeply offended. Is that I wake up, the, you guys finished at some ungodly hour, like midnight or something. And yeah, I wake up the next morning, I walk out into the kitchen, and Sarah is stomping her feet saying, BJ said I'm the type of person that would like eat, pray, love. <laughs> She was so fired up about it. Well, which is funny because what I said was that she has friends that love Eat, Pray, Love. It's not how you started started it, but you ended on that. No, I I said that that I feel like you you will be be offended by the statement. And anyway, so, yeah. This is so funny, though, because I said, well, what did BJ say in response? And she just gave me the Uh, same thing that that you just did right now. Anyway, I figured I'd shout that out because it was a pretty funny moment for me. She was just, I was like, how's the pod? She didn't have anything to say about the pod, anything to say about the book. Deeply offended that you would suggest that she or her friends like Eat, Pray, Love. That, that is the most I mean, I've ever heard her. It truly was. Really? Because, so I did, a fair, like the first time or second time that she was on the pod, I, I cast, I threw some shade on uh, Harry Potter. And, uh Ooh. And she's like, all right, well, we're not friends anymore, and I'm never coming back. Um, but what do you have, you know, what do you have to say further? But she took that one in stride. For this one, she interrupted the flow of whatever was going to occur thereafter to directly confront you on your statement. Yeah, that's true. 
<laughs> I can't wait to listen to that. Okay. Hey, actual agenda. All right. So I want to tell. So Sarah, my wife, she um, she grew up in a household that like listened to Frank Sinatra and watched black and white movies. Like they weren't particularly like like hip for like uh, pop culture. Yeah, Spencer's raising his hand. He's the same thing. So like you know the whatever's in the cultural zeitgeist, she wasn't really consuming. So every once in a while, she'll share with me like something that she just did not take in that I just assumed everybody did. And this last week. She told me she's never watched the TV show The Office, ever, not seen one episode. Has everybody on the pod today seen The Office? I have seen episodes of The Office. I have seen, like, one or two episodes, and honestly, like, the the awkward humor wasn't really for me, and so what I've been told by a lot of my friends... You don't like awkward humor, BJ? That's your your whole humor. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> Fuck you, but but okay. <laughs> I feel like I have a little bit more to offer than that, but I, I guess, so I watched the first couple of episodes in season one, and what I was told is, like, it really hit the stride in season two. Um, and, yeah, it does. Yeah, that's fair. And, but you have to get through season one to really appreciate season two and beyond. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, but season one is only six episodes. Read the Wikipedia page. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, Answer to, to, to no, everything. Okay. <laughs> Read the Wikipedia page. That's not just a solution to any problem right there. Spencer, you'll love this um, on that note. Um, so Please. I'm very fond of reading Wikipedia pages while I'm watching movies or documentaries. Um, oh, me too. So, but I, do you do the same thing that I do, which is like I scroll enough to make sure I don't spoil things for myself, but I want to, I want to catch up to where I am, but occasionally I spoil things for myself. Oh, that's funny. I will follow the Wikipedia page, and I will follow the TV Trips page as I'm watching the movie. Yes, I will do this. <laughs> and and uh, so, so, Lee, you might remember, this is, this is what happened to me with Game of Thrones. I didn't read the books until um, this whatever season it was where the Red Wedding was, um, and I was doing some research, That's and right. I, I'd been very good on the Game of Thrones wiki uh, of not spoiling major plot points to myself. Um, and I, I looked at the, the Red Wedding one, and I just casually glanced to the casualties section, uh, and saw a list of names. Everyone. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. I just, okay. Oh, okay. Uh, I guess I have to read the books now. And then I, I read all the books before the uh, the, the season launched. Uh, but that was my, my one failure. You know, gen- generally I'm quite good at, at at not spoiling things for myself. But I was doing that last night. Um, we were watching a, a, a documentary on Netflix. Um, and I was in here in parallel reading Wikipedia uh, which, of course, is my penchant for doing things. But um, you and I have the same heart there and respect for that. So back I, uh, to with you. I watched The Red Wedding when I lived in D.C., like alone. And I remember th- that was the second time that I thought the Game of Thrones was over. Mm-hmm. You called, called me afterwards saying, what's the point? Yeah, it's like, yeah I guess we're done here. Like, was, this is a run, a nice three-season run. I do have very very fond memories of uh, of watching Game of Thrones at your apartment when you moved back from D.C., um, where you know Josh and I would drive over and and we'd watch it with you. Um, we would typically watch it on a Sunday night and then the Monday night we would rewatch with you and, and discuss. But like seeing you in very tense moments, getting out of your big reclining chair and walking around, uh, sort of pacing. Um, you couldn't hold up, you couldn't hold yourself up, so you're sort of sitting resting your arms on the back of the the lazy boy um and just I want to tell a story 
I want to tell a story. So I did, once did a two-and-a-half-week uh, work trip to Ethiopia where I had to go out in the field. I wasn't, like, in the capital, Addis Ababa. I was, like, actually out in kind of areas that were not comfortable. You stick them in the mosquito nets, it's hot, everything. And Levi picked me up from the airport. I had not seen, I guess, two weeks worth of Game of Thrones. Uh, and this was, like, season four, I think, or five. And uh, Levi, best friend right here, he had a 40 of Miller High Life for me. And he, we came back to my apartment and watched two episodes. I think it was Mockingbird and Mountain and the Viper. And I think what Levi is describing is when uh, the Viper has the mountain on the ground and he's yelling at him. Over Martell being, sc- being cocky. Over Martell. I started screaming, just kill him already, just kill him. And then when the mountain <laughs> killed the Viper, I looked at Levi and I was like, I, I think I may have fell to my knees. Like I was exhausted from the plane trip, tipsy from the 40, and then I was just losing my mind about this episode. <laughs> Good times. But anyway, I brought up The Office because she started watching it, and then I started rewatching it. And I, in my mind, I think The Office is one of the most rewatchable shows ever. So what I wanted to throw out is like, what shows that you guys like are like the most rewatchable to you that you throw on in the background when you're doing work, whatever. You got nothing to watch. You'll get, you'll do a rewatch, whatever. I'll say The Office. I will also say for me The West Wing. So two different lanes there, but mm. those are my two most rewatchable shows. Uh, so I, I need to qualify this. So um, there are, to me, two types of rewatchable, right? One you rewatch for a plot and you want to be engrossed in. The other one you want, it's just background noise. And you can you know go in and out and, and not really miss anything. So are you couching um, your rewatches The Wire? Uh, ish. But I mean, so <laughs> what I'm thinking is, is, and I was doing this 10 minutes ago or you know, 30 minutes ago or so, um, House is very rewatchable. But it's also engrossing in a certain way, um, yep. which which limits its exposure because I'm I'm not good at sort of background noise um, that doesn't like soothe me as some people um, are afflicted by in my opinion. Um, but Ooh, The Office, uh, Seinfeld, the sort of serialized um, comedies are are up there because you it, it, the plot doesn't matter. Um, there are plot points that's not fundamental to why you're watching the show. Uh, but House is, is very good. I mean, The Wire, of course, it is a good rewatch, but that's like an intense, I, I'm paying attention thing. Um, what about you, Spencer? I'm curious. What do you rewatch? For, well, for me, I've got a, a, a very specific example just because it helped, helped me get through one of the more difficult moments in my life. Um, is it the History Channel? It is not the History Channel. I, I watch History Channel randomly. <laughs> well, I used to. Now now it's just straight conspiracy theory stuff all the, all the damn time. Rest um, in peace. Yeah. Now, for me, it'd actually be uh, Scrubs. Did any of you guys watch Scrubs back in the day? Oh, yeah. Loves Scrubs is great. Scrubs is a great show. But for me in particular, uh, when, I was, when, I took the, when I took the bar in Virginia, um, I had traveled to Roanoke, Virginia, which is in the middle, even more in the middle of nowhere, Virginia. And I was staying in the Best Western, and I was the bar was the next day, and I had nothing to do. I was very much alone. And I just pulled up episodes of Scrubs, and I watched Scrubs for like two hours rather than continue to restudy for the bar. And I really credit that as just helping calm me down and get me through a very trying experience on me past the bar. Spencer, where do you think you are? What? Where do you think you are? I'm in Florida now, but I also licensed to Virginia. And I credit, I credit that with making me through the first hurdle of that, my legal career. And so, that was the fourth time he took the bar. That's <laughs> no, not true. <laughs> so, so I was making a reference to a specific episode in Scrubs that... Oh, was... yes. Sorry, for, for, I didn't guess that. That is a very okay. good reference right there. <laughs> 
but yeah, Scrubs for me is always just easy watching of where if I'm in a stressful moment or if I just want something on the background, I can pull out a random episode of Scrubs, be it a com- comedic episode or one of the dramatic episodes like BJ is referencing, and I will be entertained. It, it, it is a quality show with wonderful character development, with wonderful plot lines, but it's also just wonderful, easy watching. So uh, may- maybe the only time that Brendan Fraser made you choke up? It very much is. He was a wonderful addition as being, um, I'm blanking on the name of his character, but yeah, he's a wonderful addition to the show. Um, so I think Scrubs and Futurama have sort of similar, uh, similar roles for me, where it's just like, I can sort of just watch any episode. Like I've seen the whole series a number of times or for Futurama, except for the movies, because those are pretty terrible. Um, but you know, I can jump in sort of wherever and, and something I enjoyed, you know, just sort of toss me in on the background. Um, so, so Lee, you mentioned West Wing and, and I, I wanted to, to, to get in my, my, uh, West Wing nomination before you did, cause I had a feeling that it was coming. It's a good choice. Um, but, but yeah, those are a couple of just TV shows that, that I'll watch and, and I can sort of wander away and wander back and I know exactly where I am and, and I thoroughly enjoy them. Um, which also re- reminds me of a, a sort of weird ritual that I have, which I'm sure Lee, you're going to make fun of me for. Um, you always think I want to make fun of you. Yeah. You're usually right. It, Go on. <laughs> <laughs> which is, um, I'll watch V for Vendetta on November 5th, right before my birthday. <laughs> good choice. Um, and like, I know it's not a good movie, but I, I just enjoy it and, um, it sort of became a tradition um, that that I sort of developed with um, a girl that I was dating one or two before this one. But it was, you know, we'd, we'd uh, fairly late in the evening. One or two. On November I, mean, I can't even remember. I don't, they're, they're all vets. Like, I don't know. Um, Thank and, you, <laughs> uh, Fairly late. Well, not that bad, but yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, uh, fairly, fairly late in the evening on November 5th, and just uh, something that, that I'll do year after year. That's adorable, um, which just remind, <laughs> reminds me of, of my penchant for watching Black Hawk Down when I'm sick, which I'm, I've become convinced that, it, that it, it cures the common cold or the flu or whatever. Um, the, po- the power of Ridley Scott. I, I love the song Bara Bara. Yeah, and Black Hawk Down. Like true. I, I love. Oh, soundtrack's like, every... amazing. Oh, yeah. Black Hawk Down is incredible. It is. Um, oh. but yeah, that's just a movie that song. She'll play in my heart because uh, I, I do literally rewatch it whenever I'm sick. If I'm, if I'm, you know, got a 24-hour cold, uh, at, at about hour 18, I'm gonna put that on and I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna be happy. Because uh, <laughs> it's such a happy movie. It really is. It really is an exciting movie. Um, I mean, it's sad, but like it's, it's perseverance in the face of sadness and utter despair. Um, when I was sick, I watched the Harry Potter movies. It's, uh, Lee, it's funny you mentioned that. It, I was going to offer an example of something that I've just not participated in the culture of. I have never read any of the Harry Potter books, nor have I have seen the entirety of any of the Harry Potter movies. Spencer. Oh, Spencer, you'd like them. W- wouldn't heavily recommend them. No. I've actually read the Wikipedia pages to catch up to participate in conversations. That's been my participation. So I don't want to throw a lot of like, you know, time sync into you, but I, I've recently gotten quite into Harry Potter. I watched the movies with my girlfriend because she loved them. Um, I've read the books. 
and I'm now going through um, Terry, you'll like this binge mode. Binge uh, mode, on, yeah. On the Ringer, they did a, a a basically recap of the entire Harry Potter series, um, very obviously funded by Universal Studios, um, because they no way they can afford the rights to, to the music from the, from the movies without that assist. Um, oh, they have the oh man, that's interesting. Have you not listened to them? No, I, I know they did it just because Bill Simmons shouts it out. Um, and I listened to Binge Mode Game of Thrones. I haven't listened to the Harry Potter series, but I didn't know they had the music. That's interesting. It's a big time commitment because they, they, they break down the books by chapters. So it's like chapters one through five, six through ten. Um, so it's a lot of hours, but it's really, really funny. Um, <laughs> Jason Concepcion is, is on fire there, um, going over you know, various absurdities in the plot, like the fact that uh, Minerva McGonagall is, is basically seemingly a degenerate gambler. Um, She's she's very big on on, on hyping up the uh, the Gryffindor uh, Quidditch team. Um, what did you call it, like Buddy Garrity level? <laughs> you, know, you know, what was the text that, text that I sent you? Let me let me find it. Uh, it, it was one of the most hilarious things uh, that I've heard heard him say. But he um... so while you find it, I feel like uh, Harry Potter and I, you know I, I amusingly like to cast shade on it, but like it's. I feel like it was a right time, right place more than uh, a chore to force. And I would say kind of the same thing about Game of Thrones. And I really like Game of Thrones, and I think the TV show is incredible. But again, I think it's a right time, right place, at least with the books, more than, yeah, yeah, I know you shake your head, Lee, but, but a right time, right place more than uh, he's that much better than a lot of the other writers within his within the, the genre. I would also say for Game of Thrones, in some ways it's a reverse of the Harry Potter right, time, right place. I think for Harry Potter, it was very much a very effective book series for if you were growing up with it, of where I was... That's not true. Since I, you're, for, you're, I'm you're saying my own wrong. story, and I, 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 will, I will hear your rebuttal here in a moment. Uh, for me, I was reading Lord of the Rings, Dune, Riverworld, uh, for several years, because my dad would just pass off all the books that he loved when he was a kid to me, and I would just read those up. And I tried to start the first Harry Potter when I was like 16, and I could not get into it. And most of my friends had read it when like they were 11 or 12. And so it was hard for me to get into it because it was really a series that, at least based on their description, you aged up with well with the characters. I know you're Levi. You're going to rebut me in a second. But for you have a lot of friends, friends that are five years younger than you are. Do I have a lot of friends? Of, yes, because my sister. Ah. So I've got I've got her old friend group too that I was talking talking with there as well. Um, but. Uh, for Game of Thrones, I feel like in some ways some of the fans that have most turned away from the series or most rejected it are those that actually grabbed it when it first came out and have been the most disappointed by the fact that it has now been many, many, many years since the new books have been released and the increasing like large gaps between them. I'd like to point out something. Both BJ and Spencer right then got preemptively angry because they anticipated someone was going to disagree with them, which I find really hilarious. Well, we uh, know they, that you were going to disagree with us. Yeah, well, here's, there's, what, there's here's not, what I don't like to take. Here's what I don't like to take. You can just say... I don't like it, as opposed to, well, the only only reason people like it is because it was right place, right time. No, I, I'm right? not saying no, that. Not that. Not yeah, not, neither of us are saying we don't like it. No, no I'm, I'm talking about your the only reason we like Spencer. it. Spencer, I'm okay. talking to you. I'm talking to you. I didn't say I don't like it. I'm not saying you said the only right reason place, right time. Yes, I am saying right place, right time. I think that there are other stories that people would enjoy, and the phenomenon that is Harry Potter and the phenomenon that is Game of Thrones are right place, right time. 
Yeah, it's just a condescending take to people who like it's, it. But anyway, it's, a, it's um, an extremely condescending take. I yeah. mean, fundam- fundamentally, the concept is yes, it is. It is as popular as it is because it was right place, right time. Sure, but that's any successful anything, pretty much. <laughs> um, so that's a fair. That's point. really an, un, 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 an unreasonable take. Um, I mean, there are core concepts of of literature and and arts in general that transcend that, right? I mean, Game of Thrones, yes, it, it is as popular because it's right place, right time, but the reason why uh, our friend group was into Game of Thrones before the, <laughs> the HBO series came out was because it's got some cool stuff in it. Maybe it's not like the most popular thing ever, the most most exciting thing ever, but it's still pretty good. Um, so I would say give a shot, Spencer, at, at, at reading the books. Yes, they're a little bit juvenile. Yes, there's some parts that I will say are, are hard to read. They do conceptually make sense, like Harry Potter going through puberty and being a little bit of an annoying brat. Um, well, which, which yes, yeah, it happens when you go through puberty. I, no, no, no. I, I shudder at that, but I, I think you'd enjoy it. Let's just put it that way. Um, no, no, Levi, I, th- I think I would enjoy them more now than I would have at sixteen. I think ab- at sixteen, absolutely. I yeah. think at sixteen, I was yeah, kind of resisting it, like this. This is a children's book, whatever else. I'm, I'm beyond this. I think now I can appreciate it for what it is and what it's representing, but just from my broader perspective on things now. So I actually am encouraged to want to go back and try it, just because. It is part of the background and part of the mindset of so many of my friends, some of the people from my friend group, that I just lack. And I, Wikipedia and TV trips can only give me so much of a connection to that. <laughs> and that's, so that's the a really other, good point. Go ahead, BJ. Sorry. I was going to say the other thing that, that you're you know, giving me a lot of shit for right place, right time, and I guess the and, – and rightfully so. I appreciate that. But the other thing that I want to say about that is that – when friends of yours who you respect come and come to you and say, oh, my God, this book is super amazing, mm-hmm. and because it is the right place and the right time for them, and you're fairly well steeped in that genre, in that milieu, then you go into it super excited because, um, and, and I think that you're right here with me, is like we're always excited when there's a really good new book within something that we like. Oh, yeah. No question. Because you know, it being introduced to a new author or a new story or, or something new is part of the fun of, of reading, watching TV shows, watching movies, sort of all of those things. And there are quite a number of things in those genres where I've had a friend be like, oh, this is amazing. You have to check it out. And I do. And it's, you know, either rehash of old stories or it, it's more on the okay side of things. And mm-hmm. My guess is that Harry Potter hit its stride in later books where I was already a little bit off put because I had a lot of my friends tell me like, oh, it's such a great book. You have to read it. And you read it. And the first couple of books are a little bit juvenile and in my opinion are okay. See, there you but, go. You got, you got to a place that I like. You said, in my opinion. I like that. That's what I was going for. Like, just say, I, I don't like it, but don't, like, say, well, the only reason you like it is because it hit you at the right time. That's, that, that's, that, that was my point. But you actually, yeah. BJ, you, you actually are going into my next agenda topic, so shout out to you for a good segue. Because I actually wanted to talk about, like, collective viewing experiences. Because now that everybody watches things on demand and we stream things, it's not like, oh, everybody's glued to the television at like 9 o'clock on this day. We don't really have that anymore, except for a few examples. So what I wanted to talk about is, like, are there collective viewing experiences that you participate in that you enjoy? That you're not like, it, it airs on a Sunday, you watch it on a Thursday. It's like, no, I watch it at this certain time, and I talk to my friends about it, and I get excited about it. So I will 
flip this and uh, answer a question that you didn't ask because that's what I do, um, which is um, there are a couple of shows that um, I've kind of enjoyed and, and actually Levi recommended to me. Um, one of them, one of them I, I enjoy a little bit more, which was Louie, and there's a whole bunch of stuff with that. Yeah. Um, and then um, was it Girls, Levi? Like the the girls in New York. I was yeah. I was in, in a girls for the first couple of seasons. Yeah. Okay. Me too. So those shows I feel like track a lot better when you watch them with other people. Mm-hmm. And well, I think they're they're definitely shows that are like that, and so you can enjoy them with other people. And watching them alone is not as fun. And so there are a couple of shows like that that. I've gotten recommendations from other people and, you know, I'll sit and watch alone and it's just like, well, this is okay, but not having that discussion, not having sort of that shared experience and enjoying the humor together kind of makes it not as fun. So I find it extremely interesting that you say the awkward humor of The Office is off-putting, but Louis. You would you would mention in any positive fashion because Louie is a show that I can't. Ah, BJ taking a beating this pod. I've I've literally paused episodes of Louie when I was watching it and saying this is too awkward for me. I like uh, no, humor, I, I've, but this I've is paused it level and stuff. walked out of the room. Like I've paused it, walked out of the room, and picked it up later. It it is the most awkward show I've ever watched in my entire life. It's, it's very good, but it's extremely awkward. It just makes you die inside. So I guess with The Office, there was just a lot of stuff that I didn't find funny. And then there was awkward humor that I don't I, I guess I don't know how I how I feel about it. Um, but again, as a lot of people have said and, and, you know, it's been reiterated by you guys in this podcast, like the first season is a bit rough. And so that's essentially where I was starting and where I was like, I don't know if I want to continue this. But, no, but yeah, Louis is, is um, I'm pretty sure there are a bunch of uh, G chats between you and me, Levi, where I'm just like, I, I, I can't handle that he just did this. Like, I, this is it's really uncomfortable for me. And I feel like the shared experience of watching things with other people makes that not as bad. 100%. Okay. Jay, did you think Louis fell off a little bit toward later seasons? Uh, yeah, I I honestly felt that a, some of his some of the show went a little less in the comedy and was a little bit more drama and relationships, which was okay. But I don't think that's where he excels and where his, what his bellow is, and and I think that not having other creative input maybe was a little made, made those scenes a little bit more rough where he has his comedy chops he has his his brand of humor and that was good but him trying to explore some other things could have used some other pairs of eyes yeah i felt like he was taking himself a little too seriously in the last couple of seasons um but yeah that's that's a, I like your point though about like wanting to watch things with other people. Actually, I, I've thought about this with our our other podcast, BJ uh, Manga Blast, where we review stand up comedy. I feel like watching stand up comedy, even if it's just on television with someone else, is more enjoyable than watching it alone. A hundred percent better. It's it, it's so much better. So awkward. Good, you can share it, and if it's bad, you can trash it together. Exactly. Yep. Um, 
100% that. So um, I would, there are three schemas of things to me that are more enjoyable to watch with someone else, either watch someone in, in the room or discuss later. Um, complicated plots like Game of Thrones, where there's sort of, there's subtext, there's, there's backstory, there's nuance there. Um, awkward, really awkward comedy because it's just impossible to watch by yourself. Um, as well as um, docu-series about like true crime or, or real events, like watching the, um, the Fire Festival documentary. Um, that was really enjoyable to watch with, with, with Sam. Um, like documentaries where you're like, sort of commenting on the absurdity of the, of the situation and like this is insane stuff. Um, those three schemas are the things that are far better to watch some, with someone else or in, in a shared community. Completely agree. Spencer. Are you alive? Uh, yeah, I'm alive, and I very much I'm, – I've not been saying much just because I very much agree. I mean, I think life in general is better with company. And for pretty much Ooh, any show I watch or any book I read, I get so much more out of it and enjoy the experience so much more. I've got somebody that I can talk about it with. Be okay, it I'm going to push, push back a little bit. Uh, there's one, one thing I've watched recently that I was glad I watched it alone, and that was Finding Neverland. The, uh, <laughs> the Michael Jackson <laughs> documentary. If you guys ever check it out, make sure to do it alone. It was very creepy. BJ, what did you say? Um, so what I was going to say is um, my girlfriend and I are long distance, uh, essentially across the coast. And so one of the things that we do together is um, there's a TV show that we're watching right now. Um, and I'm blanking on the name, which is terrible. Um, but I, I don't love it as a TV show, but it's fun to watch with her and like, watch her expressions and she watches mine and I'm mostly like this is bullshit why is there so much drama um orphan orphan black there we go mm. um and it's sort of a, a relatively fun tv show but it essentially creates drama so there's drama um and I'm not always a fan of that but I enjoy the experience of watching it with her whereas if I were alone after like maybe halfway into the first season I would have been like, no, this is just silly. Yeah, BJ, I got you. Maybe we should uh, we should watch uh, some of the comedians of the world for Mangum Laughs on like a, a Skype call or something. I think that'd make the pot a little better. Yeah, <laughs> especially when fun. we just trash them. Um, yeah, which I think we're gonna do a lot in that, that series. Yeah. So, uh, Spencer, that was a very sweet thing you said. Uh, life's better with people. I <laughs> just want to comment on that. Uh, you're an adorable person, and, and we all love you for for your sentiment there. And Levi agrees, disagrees with you 100% because he wants to live in a cabin in the woods. I don't disagree uh, that it's the right he choice. He wants a lot of kids. <laughs> Which, on the topic... Um, Uh-oh. So, you got an whoa. announcement? Uh, no. <laughs> Where are we going with this? <laughs> Le- Le- Levi's pregnant. Uh, so, Spencer and BJ, you don't know this, uh, but Terry does. Um one of my coworkers has named their their newborn kid Levi. Big win. Big win for Levi. Randomly. Uh, I mean, it's not random. Uh, it's a very strong name. DJ. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean. To your to your raised eyebrow, uh, the mother's Jewish, um, and so it was between Avi and Levi. Okay. It. I think of those two names, Levi is the stronger choice. Um, but I will say it has been a fantastic opportunity for my coworkers to shit on me um, in a variety of ways. Because little Levi, big Levi, Levi ha- has 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 sold himself. Um, it's fantastic. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do appreciate that. Um, 
I, I guess I would say Levi as, as a first name is, is a little bit uncommon, but not super uncommon. And it's so it's the right level of uniqueness, right? Um, like a lot of people these days have very unique names, um, which is a bit absurd uh, because there's a number of names that make any sense. Um, it's the right level of, of, of unique, like Bernard, Terry, Spencer, Levi. These are all unique enough to be distinctive, but not like unicorn um, or some other absurd name that should, you, you should never name a child. They're not, not in the top, not in the top ten each year, but they're still actually names. Yes, <laughs> I like how you say they're still actually names. I mean, but there are a lot of like, especially Hebrew and/or Jewish names that are incredibly unique and nowhere near the top ten ever. Um, that 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 aren't like that, that are almost always now middle names because or or for like you know the past. 15, 20 years ago were always middle names because it's just like, that's that's too much work for, for the non-Jews. Like, we're not going to make them do that. Well, <laughs> I'm going to say the Old Testament names, very strong names. I'm a fan of them. If I ever have a kid, Ezekiel is oh, up Big there. Old Testament guy. Tiberius, uh, Spencer. Um, it's a like, lovely name. Like, these are strong names. Mm-hmm. So what, what I find really funny is um, one of my coworkers um, named her... Uh, son Yechezkel or very close to Ezekiel and so she just tells like all of the non-Jews that she works with just call him Zeke and then um, they, she then tells like all of the Jews that, that she works with call him Chazi because that's what they call him which I also think is like a super weird nickname um, but well, it, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm just laughing, BJ, because I'm just envisioning the person being like, uh, so what's the, the child's name? And then you go, well, are you Jewish or not? Well, it's also really funny because there are sounds that like Jews who grew up with it have a easier time to pronounce. Yeah. And and so like <laughs> you can usually tell when it's just like, oh, like his name's like Yechezkel and they're like, wait, what? And it's like, all right. Yeah, just you know, we call them Zeke. It's 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 a very fair point. There there are sounds that native English yeah. speakers are, are are very unaccustomed to, which is sort of like my name Levi. Um, French speakers and and French Canadians and people of Indian background. Um, it's it's Levy every time or Levy, um, and it's it's so interesting to me. I I love it so much. Uh, well, this, well, which is also really funny because in Hebrew it would be pronounced Levy. Levy. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Hmm. I did not know that. Neither did I. Uh, but w- w- would you guys like to try the second track, by the way? <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's do it. And then we can actually maybe try to answer the question I asked. <laughs> or at least I'll give my answer. I don't remember <laughs> what the question was. I have zero idea what you asked. So. Okay, well, let's try the whiskey, and I'll, I'll reintroduce All right, so, so it's the white label. Uh, it's the white label, and uh, I will introduce this one fully. Uh, this is actually a Florida bourbon, pardon the term. Mm. It, it is from a relatively new distillery up in St. Augustine called, Ew. creatively, St. Augustine Distillery. It is technically high proof in that it's 93.8 proof. Uh, it's made from primarily Florida ingredients. It uh, spends a fair portion of its time in old wine barrels, which gives it a, a, they advertise a more fruity flavor. Is I it in not, Bayou, too? Uh, no, it's about halfway up. It's a, more than halfway up the state on the East Coast. I love how ignorant we are of uh, Florida geography. We're all, no. it, it, it's just all down there. I don't know. Is it in the, the panhandle or the tip? Like, I, yeah, I don't no. know. 
Okay, if you if you follow 95 north, it is cl- getting closer to the Georgia border, but it's still that doesn't help any of us. Well, let's <laughs> well well so it should help us a little bit, Levi, because it would be relatively close to where we fished. Put it, in Jacksonville Beach. See, I don't have memories of these if you actually want to see a Florida city, San Augustine is pretty good. It's the like the oldest inhabited city in North America. It's Wait, a, what did you say, a, Levi? I don't have memories of like the, the the location of the trip. I remember the the. the it gives you a reference point, Levi. You remember getting sick on the water. You remember trying on my compression Nike shirt and it not fitting you know, at all. Like it gives you a, a a personal reference point rather than a geographical reference point. Uh, indeed, indeed. Uh, BJ, just for you, I actually have percentages as to what this bourbon is made up of. Because this oh, is, I appreciate that. Uh, it is it's Florida ingredients. It is 60% uh, Florida corn, 22% malted barley, 18% Florida wheat, uh, and then it is aged between 16 and 28 months, primarily in old port barrels. Hmm. I would expect it to oh. be a relatively young whiskey, given it, given it is taste. a. Pr- it is a very new distillery. Uh, it, this is very much their first batch they've come out with in terms of their primary primary product. Um, from what I've heard of initial reviews, it needs more aging. Um, but that, well, sure. So we can, we can I was going to say the first product. This is this yeah. is impressive. Yep, right there with you, BJ. Um, that's actually I pretty good. I you love it, BJ, um, because it has like a very interesting taste, right? That's, a, that's some caramel yeah. in there. I mean, I, I definitely agree that, that more aging will make it better, but as a whiskey, it's not always that you get a, a whiskey that more aging will make it better, or you know, rather than just a, it's acceptable, like it's not going to be improved by pretty much anything that you do, just put it out. Would it be, yep. would it be fair to, there, to restate your answer of, um, it has a good 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 base to, to, for aging to make it better, right? It's, it's interesting. It's unique. It has a different taste. Uh, aging will make it smoother and better. Um, but there's a lot of just generic whiskeys that are just they they are what they are. Yeah. And you can aim I mean, it first forever. Well, the other thing that, that that you said there is that that aging will make it smoother. It's it's impressively smooth, like as it is. Yeah, agreed. Um, I think that aging would bring out some of the flavors that are hard to pick out right now. Um, and I think that would be a good thing. And, and it was funny because, like, you know, as you were talking about it being, like, Florida ingredients, I'm just like, oh, God, like, what are we going to get? You know, are, are they, like, aging it on, like, uh, alligator bones or something? Like, I have no idea what they're going to be doing. <laughs> Seasoned with bath salts. Uh, yeah. Um. No, I, I'm curious to hear your else for you, but I actually quite enjoy that one. I mean, I, I agree that it is more smooth than I thought it was going to be. I think it has the potential for a deeper kind of flavor it doesn't yet have, but I really enjoy, um, for me, I tasted a lot of like a, a caramel, almost like a chocolate in there, um, rather than the fruity that they were advertising with. But yeah, I think I, I, I quite enjoy that. I think it's got a lot of potential as a, a distillery in the future. So the thing in. that I find kind of interesting is a lot of distilleries seem to be going um, really quickly to wine barrels initially. And I and I, I guess, you know, we're maybe getting a little bit too deep into the whiskey side of things, but I wonder if that's a little bit of a mistake because a lot of uh, scotches and, and more uh, well-known bourbons will age in an oak barrel that, that's either charred or not, usually charred, uh, for quite a long time and then 
finish it in a port barrel or sherry barrel or something along those lines. And so you really get the oak flavors and it really brings out some of the flavors in the whiskey that then are refined and uh, smoothed out a little bit by a finish in a sweet uh, fortified wine. Well, I mean, I, I think economically it makes sense, right? Like we can't oh, sit, yeah. for tw- sit for 20 years. Let's get something out there that fits the profile that people are associating with. And then we've got things in, in storage that'll allow us to scale that down the road and, and, and be more refined, more sophisticated. Oh, yeah. Hands down. I mean, so uh, sherry and port barrels are surprisingly expensive and you essentially can only use them once for finishing a whiskey. Um, and so, like, I completely understand the economics of, all right, let's, you know, age it not quite as long, use a porter sherry cast so you get those uh, rounding flavors early on and get something out. And then maybe 10, 20 years down the road, you know, once we get established, we can start doing more expensive and more complicated things. What I think you're implying there, right, is that, is that we're, if you wanted to, to go long on whisk, American whiskeys, uh, about 20 years, there will be an amazing burst of sophisticated American whiskeys, assuming these, these distilleries don't pipe it all out to begin with, right? Um, they actually put stuff away in storage. Um, I think it might be a little bit longer, but there definitely is either, they either won't care or there's going to be a large resurgence of really good whiskey in a decade or two plus or minus. Um, and that's a lot because um, of the huge increase in whiskey um, and foreign markets buying whiskey. And so a lot of distilleries started moving away from age statements, which we vaguely talked in the last podcast, which was basically they're doing a lot more blending. They're doing a lot more younger aging and trying to get product out there so they can try and meet demand. And hopefully, and I know some distilleries are doing this, are increasing their production and putting a lot more whiskey away to try and meet what they think the future demand is going to be. And so hopefully there are going to be a lot of really interesting, really good whiskeys that come out in, I would guess, a decade plus minus and maybe two, depending on what kind of capital they had going in and what they expect things to, to eventually be. Um, and I'm sort of curious where the market definitions are going to go because as our, I know for wine, they shifted from the U.S. and France to Asian countries. And I know that to a certain extent that's happened for whiskey as well. And so I sort of wonder what that market's going to do and how that's going to impact whiskeys. But, you know, maybe we'll hopefully we'll still be doing this pod and we uh, will be able to reference this episode when we get to try some awesome new whiskeys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't have much to say. I mean, I feel like BJ and you did whiskey on the weekends together. The whiskey review section would be shit just because we agree on everything. Like, <laughs> just your take. I was like, I don't have anything to add. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, it's really good, but I like that Spencer gave us the context that this is a new distillery um, because that, to me, uh, makes it shine even more. It's it's impressive for a first run. Yeah, and uh, reading about the distillery, apparently they've really put in a lot of effort. Um, Just reading about the news articles that I got locally, it has won a couple awards for actually best distillery tour from uh, national publications. So they're really trying to emerge upon the scene. And I'm kind of, I mean, I'm actually, this is my first time trying it. I'm legitimately impressed. I'm kind of hopeful for what they can offer in the future. Spencer, is this you trying to get us to visit Florida? Mm Mm-hmm. 
I mean, if you want to visit Florida, this is about <laughs> five hours north of me. So it's an easier way to do it in terms of visiting St. Augustine. And having been there before, it is a legitimately lovely town. It is a, a wonderful historical tour and a wonderful place to stay for a couple of days. This paid for by the uh, Florida Department of the Tourism. First sponsor <laughs> of the podcast, huh? Yeah, yeah first sponsor. We, we State sponsorship. How do you feel about that, Spencer? Uh, I, I feel about it the same way I would about anything I just made up. <laughs> All <laughs> right, very the question proud. question I asked. Half chub. <laughs> question I asked was, you question is you there asked. any collective viewing, like, like, like appointment television, that you participate in because you like that it's a collective viewing experience? And I'll give the, uh, an example. Of course, Game of Thrones is a good example. Because that's Yeah. But also, like every year, uh, you guys know, I throw a... Um, uh, uh, a Kentucky Derby party. Mm-hmm. So for us, the Kentucky Derby is like this collective viewing experience. Everybody watches it at the same time. So that's kind of what prompted the question in my mind. Ooh, BJ, taking a bite of some steak there. Um, what do you uh, do? You guys have anything like that where you're like, I have to watch this, and then afterwards, I've got to talk about it with my friends. Here's what. Um, so one Kentucky Derby. Um, it is a fun experience. Last year was very expensive for me. Um, I lost the big bet with you. Um, and we donated a lot. We donated a lot to the How Woo campaign fund. Um, That's true. It was a joint fundraising <laughs> opportunity. <Yeah. laughs> uh, and a lot of really good free food. I do miss the fact that I don't like college basketball because at least you know, same where we are. Both Terry and I are in the Triangle area of North Carolina, so we're both we're near UNC and Duke. Um, we both went to UNC, so um, watching March Madness is the pinnacle of that for me. Um, yep. I, I think we both agree that, like, especially many years ago when I was really into college basketball, the pinnacle of our sort of like collective fan experience would be like watching March Madness in Vegas, the first weekend of March Madness in Vegas. And I think still that I'd enjoy it because it's just so riveting, right? Um, you've yep. got all these options. You've got you know, switch to the last five seconds of you know the four and and whatever seed. Um, March Madness is there. Sport, sports fits that. Game of Thrones fits that, but outside of those those two examples, I don't think there's really a a pre-built um, viewing experience. We all have to construct it for ourselves, right? We have to discover a new documentary series and watch watch it together. Um, whereas everything else is is it, Game of Thrones has gotten there. Hopefully, more more episodic TV will get there. Um, but sports is the only thing that has that that real resonance. Unless yeah, I agree. So did Lost have that for you? I did not watch Lost, but I, uh, I my my memory is that it did for other people. Yeah. Because like, I, I just have this distinct memory of visiting North Carolina and shortly after pretty much everybody had graduated when I believe you um, and Levi were living together in – the apartment that wasn't on Saluda Court and you having to watch Lost and saying, okay, so guys, this is an amazing show. We're going to have to watch it. And we sat down to watch it. And I just remember being a little bit drunk and watching some random episode in the middle of season three (laughs) of Lost and just being like, I have no idea what's going on. You're like, dude, like just, just watch it. It's, it's super good. And look, and I was just like making random comments during during the the episode because I didn't know any of the characters and I didn't know what was going on. You're just like just just be quiet. Like another another thirty minutes, it's fine. So a couple I'll things. One, one is I don't remember that, but I 
fully believe that I did that because <laughs> as discussed on previous pods, like when I like a show and I'm around people, I'm like, everybody be quiet. Like Spencer and I had that at a, I think Josh's batch. No, Joey's batch. Joey's. Yeah, like yeah, everybody yeah. just be quiet. We need to watch this show. Uh, two is I'm pretty sure I was drunk at the time because I mean, there's no way it's so unreasonable to ask somebody to jump in to an episode <laughs> in season three of that show <laughs> and enjoy it. That's completely ridiculous. <laughs> Um, so what, what I, at a meta level, what I'm interested in, Spencer, you know, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but basically I think it's the answer would change if we were in college right now. Right. Uh, because we're, we're around people. Uh, whereas now we're, we live sort of somewhat, not entirely isolated lives, but more isolated lives. We have partners, partners in separate apartments. We're not around each other. Whereas in college, we would just go into the next room over and we'd watch some whatever, um, and it'd be enjoyable. Um, the same way that, like, Salute a Court, we look back fondly of our sort of hungover Sunday mornings watching really bad horror movies or sort of slasher awesome. movies. Um, oh, God, uh, that was terrible. Hobo with a shotgun. Hobo with a shotgun is <laughs> the pinnacle. That, of that. That, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> I'm like, um, but, like, those collective experiences dwindle um, as you get older because you just live oh, sort of much. separate lives, which which is unfortunate, right? Because those are really pleasurable experiences. Like, I distinctly remember watching and really loving and thinking about fondly about us watching uh speed walking in the olympics i think it was oh yeah uh, we watched like four hours of speed walking we watched four hours <laughs> of speed walking yeah. and, and you, like, you remember do you remember that the guy fainted and then i he did wikipedia to say he died and then they you like did. cut me off of wikipedia for a while <laughs> i do distinctly remember that and like we were just entranced by this we're like oh no they're all cheating they're they're both legs are off the ground on the corners. Uh, like we're judging we, this. We were so so enthralled with that, um, but that was because we're together. Uh, if we're separate, then that's not going to work out, um, which I think you know, limits the scope of things that can do that. And I think that that means that we all need to, to not just us, but people more generally need to make intentional choices to to do that again. You know, yeah. whether you're remote or, or or physically close to people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, BJ. So there's a TV show called Boston Legal, which I've tried to get Spencer to watch a couple of times. <laughs> which I have. Um, oh, you have finally. Um, About six episodes, so give me that credit. Okay. Um, which I, I quite enjoy, but there's a character that says uh, adult friendships are like backyard gardens. You have to like work and tend them to actually get them to go anywhere. Yeah. And Point of the pod. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I mean, and, and credit to you. Uh, Lee, that the you know this is sort of the whole intention of this uh, channel podcast, um, which I you know whole, wholeheartedly appreciate. But I also kind of you know want to ask a question. Like so, so Levi and, and Lee, you're you're relatively in relative close proximity to to at least two other Mangamites, and and so it, it's sort of one of those things where it'd be more it'd be easier for you guys to like meet up and watch stuff. And so um, Lee is selling his house to make this more possible. Mm-hmm. And then I'm undermining the, the entire venture. And Lee is like, right, that, that's cool, but like, um, I'm moving halfway across. <laughs> the oh, you, yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, I'm out. The match. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think me, uh, I think both Levi and I are pretty bad about scheduling those things. So that's probably why that doesn't happen. But yeah, it's kind of the point of the pod. Uh, is to get us make us sit down and talk to each other, which I really like. Um, a little behind the curtain there, but I like Levi's point where you know this 
the collective of you, the reason I asked the question, because I love collective viewing experiences. Yes. I think it's great. Oh, yeah. uh, I love the Game of Thrones viewing party we have here every season. Um, and I, I love the Kentucky Derby party. We're always going to have a Kentucky Derby party, yes. So anytime you want to watch a Kentucky Derby, <laughs> it's going to be here. Because that's, that's another thing. Like, Levi just shout out. Like, he came here. We watched it. We had a bet on it. It was a lot of fun. So that's why we do these things. But I do think it's important uh, as you get older and you try to keep these connections and friendships with people um, that you, you do say, okay, well, here's a collective viewing experience. or here's a, a shared experience that we're going to have together. And then you create memories. You talk about it later, whatever. Anyway, warm and fuzzies. But that's my thoughts. On this well, before we go too far from that, um, I, I just wanted to shout out the, the idea and something that, that I definitely want to do in the future, which is do some uh, shared trips. Um, yeah. That would be a lot yeah, of fun. Um, and the other thing that I will bring up is a shared viewing experience that we have, and I think was a lot of fun. And fun is, I, I feel like a, a weird descriptor here, but uh, elections. Oh, elections, God. yes. Well, the last one. Was, oh, yeah. Great yeah, call, BJ. Yeah, we I mean, it sucks. There. I mean, Trump won, but we, yeah, yeah. we were on the call together. And that, I, I'm, it's, it, whatever. I don't care. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. But we, we did have we fun had, on the call. We had like we we were there for like four hours plus, Straight you know, longer. as a group watching and results. watching you know individual counties come in talking about like, well, what do you think this county is going to do? This county is at like fifteen percent, but it, you know they're getting close to calling it, and and it was just it was a yeah. lot of fun, and oh. I think that if if there was a little bit, I I think that doing stuff like that and I think that somebody needs to start making like political brackets being like a thing and that would just oh, like shift the the uh, public consciousness to to uh, political things just a little bit more and it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, that, that yeah, we need to do that that Skype call on election night like in perpetuity. That was fun. Yeah, that was fun. Um, it was sad, but fun. We did to, to uh, offer context. We did that primarily in 2016. We kind of didn't do it as much in 2018. Uh, but in 2016, there were, what, 10, 11 of us that were on the same call together, all watching it as the results came in? Yeah, I, I distinctly remember Josh, like, like, starting to project, like, okay, so Hillary can win if, you know, Arizona and Nevada, and there's some early returns, and he's starting to do regression analysis on shit, um, just trying to justify, um, no. you know, <laughs> it, the saving it, of, the, of, of America, uh, which it, didn't happen, and, and now we're in the dark. It, the so dark I, have two, I have two memories from that. The first is, Levi, when we started the call, you shared with us this, like, Photoshopped image of CNN's big projector yeah. screen that says Trump won, and we I all had a good guffaw about it. I thought it'd be hilarious, <laughs> and I didn't. I regret it. Um. <laughs> and the second thing I remember is at one point, I, I, like, I, I went quiet for long periods because I was apoplectic, but I came back in, and I was like, guys, I think that Hillary is going to win the popular vote, but Trump's going to win the electoral <laughs> college. And I remember Levi saying, is that supposed to make us feel better? Like, <laughs> yeah. that, that was one of the most memorable moments of the entire election for me is where you had not said anything for like 30 minutes. And then suddenly you pop back in and just say, Trump's won this, but Hillary's going to win the popular vote. And then Levi, you throw in the election, doesn't matter. Not going to help the situation. But that just encapsulated the election for me. Just suddenly that mutual realization that, oh, shit. This is a this is we've entered a different era that we had no way to expect until this moment. Yeah, and and I also distinctly remember uh, Doug uh, starting up by uh, sort of trolling us a little bit, oh, and God. then and then just becoming extremely depressed 
towards the end of understanding that, you know, trolling is not funny um, when it's the real stakes evolve. Have I told you guys that after our call ended, Doug Skyped me individually? No, no. never mentioned that. So immediately after we ended the call, I was about to shut my computer and Doug Skyped me. And he did like 20 minutes of trying to make me feel better. It was like the nicest friend moment. Like ever, like he was he was completely sincere. He was like trying to like just soothe me and make me feel better. He knew my headspace was just out of control. <laughs> well, it didn't really help, but it was a very nice gesture. One of my favorite parts about the election too was just the experience of how, because I think that was like the first election how it had been able to vote in uh, after the services of veteran getting citizenship and everything else, and just seeing him go through it at the very end saying, "You fucks, this is my first election. Why did you ruin this for me?" was just a wonderful moment of seeing just a citizen experience the first moment of disappointment. Yeah, he lost it every step because he was a Bernie guy first. Yeah, he was. <laughs> so, so the other thing that, that I really enjoy bringing up how is um, in the 2018 election where we were all super invested uh, for, for our listeners, yeah. uh, our friend Hao Wu ran for a state seat in South Carolina. We so invested in watching and, that. And we were. it was... I have never been so excited about a seat in a state that I don't live in and barely have ever visited. <laughs> For state office. We were yeah. fired up. And like it was like a, a shockingly low number of votes in that Democratic primary, right? It was like, what was it, like a couple thousand maybe? Yeah, it, it, it like was that, yeah. surprisingly we close. And we were so invested in – and I just – I almost wanted to just like start calling out people and random like, you know, just find a phone book for South Carolina and just be like, have you voted for How Woo yet? Because <laughs> we were we fortunately celebrating for a period there because Howe was up for a while. A I mean, long he, time. He was legitimately leading for a significant portion of that race until it started to turn at the end. And so we were ingrained in every single percentage update as like the 12 precincts started to come in. I remember that like it was late in the night, and I think most of Florida, or not Florida, South Carolina counties had come in, but Howe's County was at like 75%. And yeah. we were still all on the call and like refreshing and talking. And I Skyped Hal. I was like, how's it going? And Hal was like, honestly, I'm just tired. I just want them to call it so I can go home. I remember that. And I was like, <laughs> damn, you man. You, we're all here. We're like, more invested than you are. And Hal's just tired at a bar somewhere. It doesn't do <laughs> I mean, but that also seems appropriate. I mean, because every like West Wing scene and like every other scene that, that I've of actual real life where, where they like go into the politicians, the politicians themselves just look tired and everybody around them is super excited, but like they've been going like as hard as they can go for, for a really long period of time. It's just like, all right, well, you know, it's, it's way past the time that my adrenaline has been going for, for so long. Like I just want to be done. And, and, and so, so I appreciate that. I'll give Trump this. I, I've never seen that look from him. Yeah. Yeah, like the one politician I've seen that like end of the Probably night, an 1 a.m., he's still fired up. Yeah, it's a legitimate credit to him as a uh, as a marketeer. I think it's the best thing, the most efficient summary of what he is, is that he's one of the most effective marketeers in politics in America in decades. I mean, he is the ultimate proponent of the Trump brand and is willing to invoke no small amount of energy to keep that going. I would like to step in here uh, and apologize to my brother. My brother's a Trump guy. <laughs> he listens to these pods because he's a good brother. I'm sorry, Wayne. We went into this, but uh, anyway, we did. We we said nothing really negative there. That was pretty mild for us. So so I'm gonna take a hundred yeah. uh, a nine degree turn from here, so we get off of politics Great. and uh, reference our last pod where we talked about some PT eating habits and things like that. Um, and I was I was thinking about it a little bit more. <laughs> you and the um, dog. And and 
had some uh, conversations with some of my lab mates about, we were talking about fast food and I was not surprisingly coming to the realization that I essentially haven't had fast food in at least five years, if not more, um, just because like, I'm never that hungry. It's never that, like, it's never that important to me to eat something where I don't enjoy it. So I just haven't had fast food. I haven't had in and out and pretty much everybody in California is just like, what is your problem? What is wrong with you? Uh, maybe I'll do it before I leave California. But this prompted the question of, is pizza fast food? Yes. It depends what kind yes. of pizza. Yes. Mm-hmm. It, and, can and, be, it can be and it can't be. It really depends where you're getting it from and what how you want the experience to be. <laughs> I mean, it's it meet, it checks the markers for me. I mean, it's something you can get easily. It cooks quick. You can carry it out. Yeah, you eat can in eat it in your hand. You know, it's it's relatively self-contained. It's not particularly messy. You know, you could you could do it pretty much anywhere. But it also isn't something that like you could really feasibly eat in your car. That's a failure of imagination on your your part. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I eat it in the car. Yeah. Okay. I, maybe that's fair, failure of imagination. Also, like I don't particularly eat my car in general, but like, I mean, the line between yeah. fast food, where you, where you guys fall on this. I mean, the yeah. line between fast food and not is almost entirely dependent on venue and presentation. I mean, there are, you think about what you get at fast food. You can get something from a variety of other restaurants or whatever else that is pretty much the exact same food, but it's not fast food because it's delivered at a higher quality at a slower pace. Uh, I think the same is definitely true of pizza of where there is pizza that I can, you know, I can get pizza delivered to my door from Papa John's or Domino's that is pretty much fast food, but I also can get pizza that is a substantially higher quality that I would struggle to apply the label to it. Um, good, good comment I, there, Spencer. I, I find it interesting about eating in cars because that. So I don't eat a lot of fast food, um, but the the one one of the things that my girlfriend and I share is that we both love Wendy's, um, and Wendy's for us is a yeah. is, is a good. Wendy's is a road trip food. So if we're on a road trip, yeah. we're driving five hours, we'll stop for lunch at Wendy's. Um, so just so you know, um, for a really long time, Wendy's, they had to uh, put on the condiments like the um, ketchup and mustard and whatever and a W on the uh, uh, hamburger. And a lot of them rebelled against this every so often. It would put it in an M for McDonald's. <laughs> so just some behind the scenes for at least uh, uh, Wendy's in Greensboro. Um <laughs> So well, flip it around. I mean, it's flipping around. Come on now, BJ. That's that's really uninventive. Um, but um, that's the one food we eat. But but it, I don't eat in my car because when I'm driving, I don't want to eat. So I always sort of scarf down food in Wendy's, and then my girlfriend eats in the car as we're driving. Uh, you know, we're going to a wedding in Virginia or someplace. Where, but it it that's the one fast food that I have a fond memory of. Um, but purely for road trip purposes. Um, that's that's where I get it. Is is if we're driving four plus hours, yeah. sure, a Wendy's. So I'm gonna admit something to you guys that I don't think anybody on the pod knows. My wife knows, but you guys don't. I love fast food, but I'm also sort of obsessively following the different companies and I know that how they're totally. performing. For yeah, for, so for instance, like McDonald's went into chicken wings, tried chicken wings, and they sourced a whole bunch of chicken wings, like millions and millions. But they didn't find the right price point. The price point for them was a dollar a wing, which for McDonald's is way too expensive. And so their stock tanked. Or back in the 90s, they introduced the sandwich Big and Tasty, which was a complete flop. 
Like, I follow this shit. Like, Taco Bell now has breakfast, but they lose money on breakfast, but it's an investment toward trying to get in the breakfast market. Wendy's tried breakfast for a while, and now they've completely diced it. I follow this shit, like, way too much. <laughs> like, I'm really into fast food companies. This to, the is point, to the point that I actually had an interview to be a supply chain manager for Yum Foods, which is the brand that has, like, Taco Bell, KFC, uh, Long John Silver's, and Pizza Hut. So this is a more in-depth uh, window into to what I already, already know because I remember us living together and you being very big on the McCafe um, and, and, and what that meant for McDonald's branding and, and sort of future prospects. You're like, well, and people don't go to McDonald's for, for, for bougie coffee. That's, that's unreasonable. And um, I was proved right. That has not, that has not made them a lot of money. And so for, it hasn't the made them a lot of money, but I've talked to a lot of people and people will – Stop at McDonald's because they know that they have better coffee. Well, well McDonald's has always had good coffee. The that's next level. By the way, the next level of this was, you know, that that's the first order analysis. Second order analysis is, yeah, the franchisees, uh, they're they're unhappy with this. They have to buy, you know, buy this stuff. <laughs> that's like a higher level. What are the sort of uh, <laughs> subcontractors for McDonald's corporate uh, thinking in, in, in this matter? Um, but I, I'd love that you're still doing this. Like you, you still are in in this in, in this vein. Um, oh yeah, like two years ago, McDonald's got a big bulk shipment of wheat for less than market rate, mm-hmm. uh, and their stock like jumped like five dollars in two days. And I was like super invested in it. <laughs> <laughs> so were you actually invested, or, or were you just excited about it? Just excited. No, I didn't okay. get any money Fair in enough. McDonald's. So maybe I should if I follow that closely. <laughs> yeah. That's maybe a good idea. But yeah, I'm like, and I, I just like name a, a like name a fast food restaurant. I can start taking off the menu items. So I eat fast food. So what's actually really funny is so for the past uh, UNC Duke games, I've actually been watching it um, on uh, via a stream, which I've seen Zaxby's fast food commercials which for some reason just makes me amused and a little bit happy because I have no idea what it is. I have no investment whatsoever in any of their food. And I'm just like, and after like the first couple of commercials, like I can recognize the the couple of Zaxby's commercials that came on this ESPN stream. And it just like, I have no desire to eat this food whatsoever, but oh, okay, this is a Zaxby's commercial. I'm excited. What are they uh, trying to get me to eat now? Okay, I'm going to flex a little bit here and tell you about Zaxby's, and then we can move on because I don't want to hear about Zaxby's But Zaxby's is a chicken joint, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but they don't have bone-in chicken except the chicken wings. Now, I'll tell you, though, the big selling point, it's like a fast casual place. Like, they do have a, uh, a drive through but the majority of people go in and sit down. I will tell you, though, for a generic chain, their, their wings, the hottest version, is actually pretty hot. But they do the majority of their business on salads. They have like, a, you know, they cut up chicken tenders and put it on salads. That was actually pretty good. Yeah, I think their main selling point on one of these was the actual fried piece of protein was larger than their bun, and that's by design. And they were super excited about it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Lowest common denominator. <laughs> <laughs> this is the uh, um, Dustin and Doug back in in Saluda Court going to get a. Um, what was the the Hardee's offering that was insane? Um, oh God, what was that? It was like the double crazy. down. I think it was called. No, no, no that no, was, no, no. was your KFC. KFC. Your KFC. Um, that was the, the 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 chicken breast as bread, right? The chicken yeah. breast as bread with bacon and sauce in the middle. Yeah, and with yeah, they, cheese. They used Very to go salty. to those um, and 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 just come back and collapse on couches and just like be in a comatose state. Um, I distinctly 
fondly remember remembering that and being like, this is the dumbest thing you've ever done, but okay. And they would wash it down with a monster energy drink. Like, those yeah, guys should be oh dead. God. <laughs> God. So let's move on from fast food because that's really... Uh... Okay, yeah, so, so, so let's move on from fast food, but that also brings up a memory that I have of Mangum and chicken that is completely unreasonable, um, which is... Uh, I believe at about three or four in the morning, we went to Walmart to buy a bunch of things. Um, and one of the things that I ended up getting was a couple of raw chickens. And everybody looked at me funny. It was just like, what, what the hell are you going to do with this? And I was like, well, we have a kitchen and an oven and like, it'll be fine. And... raw chickens too, like the full on the chicken. Yeah, the whole, yeah, the whole yeah, chicken. yeah, 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 um, and at... Starting at about 3.34 in the morning, I made uh, essentially beer can chicken, but we didn't mm-hmm. have cans of beer, so I used a bottle of beer and just poured it in the, the tray. Um, and there were just like th- four or five of us, essentially just like cavemen, like picking apart a chicken from its <laughs> carcass at like 4.30 in the morning. It was still barely dark out. <laughs> And um, it, 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 I, and you know, I'll get, it was good. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. But so it was a completely unreasonable hour. There's like completely unreasonable things because, like, I was like 30 minutes into cooking this chicken. I was just like, oh God, it's 4:30 in the morning. We need some liquid, otherwise it's going to be super dry. And like, we came up, like, came up with something, some beer, whatever else. My favorite thing about this is one of our friends. After, like, it was all done and we had, like, the bones and the carcass of this thing, uh, and he comes over, Joey, for everybody, for the people on the pod, and it's just like, um, what are you guys going to do with that carcass? Can I have it? Uh, <laughs> sure. What are you going to do with it? Well, make you know, it's going to make some soup and, like, you know, just do, do some things and, you know, maybe my mom might want it and, like, we can make some things with it. And it's just like, Joey, it's bones that we've been like picking apart and gnawing on but like you know yeah. more power to you boil it i, I, I co on that by the way I, I really appreciate that uh so for the the, the podcast audience uh, one of my, my sort of most fondest memories of terry uh was waking up one saturday morning you know we're post-college but not really sort of full professional so we're waking <laughs> up at, uh, around like you know 10 30 11 whatever i roll out of bed um get up and and terry's sort of in tip-top shape he's like hey, okay um i'm making german food I'm like why i, I don't know i will i want to make big german food um you down with that and i'm like sure you're gonna feed me i guess i'm okay with that and he comes <laughs> back and just like has a cabbage and, and sausage and makes this sort of platter of, of german food for like you know 233 three in the afternoon uh, on a, on a random day, um, which is why basically Terry is the person who, who hears that story and says, Oh yeah, yeah. Broth. Um, he's making broth. That's reasonable. Stuff too. <laughs> yeah. I do that now. Like I got, I got on a curry kick not too long ago. And for like four straight nights, I made multiple curries and like Sarah was like, this is great. Good. <laughs> okay. So, so the only place. reason I'm saying this is weird is like, I would totally do that with like, my bones or whatever and, and make a broth like terry and i are, are or leah and i are, are right on the same page with that it's just like oh yeah you know you have bones like you, you you'll make a a good broth or a stock from that, that you can use in loads, loads of things but i just i could not do that with bones that like four or five other people have been eating 
Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, I, I wouldn't be too concerned because you're going to boil it, but yeah, I, yeah. I get you. Bacteria's gone. Yeah, but that's a mental thing at that point. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Okay, one more topic, and then let's uh, let's wrap it up. Um, so I talked about um, the Kentucky Derby, how we love the Kentucky Derby. I would call that a secondary sport event, right? It's not the Super Bowl. It's not the NBA Finals, whatever. Uh, I would like to talk about your favorite secondary holiday. I think if you ask people what your favorite holiday <laughs> is, uh, BJ, uh, BJ excluded, uh, it would probably be Christmas, but uh, <laughs> BJ didn't recognize that. Uh, but but I, I, I like this because I think your favorite secondary holiday, and the reason I did that weird sort of transition is because, you know, we, we have a party around uh, the Kentucky Derby party, but we also sometimes have parties around secondary holidays, right? Like 4th of July, Halloween, whatever. So it's a time to get together, kind of the through line of this podcast to have a collective experience. I'm interested in you guys' uh, take on favorite secondary holiday. I, I feel like I should... Uh, I'm sorry. I, I was going to say, I feel I should get myself out of the way because as a religion, Judaism has like so many holidays that it's just like, all right, well, what's the excuse to get together in, in this month and we'll find something and, you know, it'll be fun or whatever. Um, and... I'm surprised. Surprise is not the the right word, but but I feel like this there's a holiday that could get picked up a little bit more into uh, the broader audience of, of the world, which is uh, Purim, which is actually coming up in the next couple of days, where it's essentially Halloween. People get dressed up and get drunk, um, but there's no trick or treating. Um, and actually, instead of trick-or-treating, you send out packages or deliver packages to your friends and family um, and say, like, here's something, like, I'm kind of thinking of you. Uh, there, there, there's that. There's uh, one other major aspect of the holiday, which is um, giving gifts to, to the, the poor, so, like, uh, uh, giving charity. Um, but the main part of the holiday is just like hanging out with friends in costume and getting drunk. And that's sort of like the, I would say main secondary holiday of uh, quite a number of, of uh, the Jewish population where there are like three or four main holidays. And, and so that's like the one where a lot of teenagers, to like young professionals are like, all right, we're going to get together, dress up, have a little fun, and, and drink a bunch. So, PJ, I want to jump in here. So, I actually don't know a lot about Judaism or <laughs> Jewish holidays, probably because I spend all my time like researching the profit margins of McNuggets. Um, but <laughs> every time, every time a Jewish person explains to me a Jewish holiday, I have the same reaction. I'm always like, that sounds awesome. Oh, like, I feel like Jewish holidays is the best. They are fantastic. Um, so BJ, um, because I'm a really bad partner of a Jewish person, um, what is the holiday with the plate? Uh, Passover. Passover. Uh, I love it. That's the one you blanked on. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't remember the names of things. Like I, I remember the plate, the symbolism behind the, behind the plate. You know, the presence of the orange as a including factor well, on things. Well, that's super new. Well, right? yeah, and that, super funny. Super liberal. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I, I remember the stories around it. Um, yeah. And I, I remember the sort of. That to me is like a great tradition. Um, I wish you know Gentiles <laughs> had had that level of it, like interesting holidays uh, because fundamentally those are really really cool holidays. Uh, but Purim, yeah, I, I remember uh, 
starting to date my girlfriend who's, who's Jewish um, and, and going to a, to, to a Purim. Um, I think we're having dinner, basically just having wine. And she was like, hey, just show up and we'll have a lot of wine. And I was like, okay. And started having, how many glasses of wine is it? So Passover is for Purim has nothing to do with anything. So the tradition and uh, goal of Purim. So there's a whole Purim story where, you know, they're the good guys versus the bad guys. Mm -hmm. And there's a tradition of getting so drunk that you forget who's who. Fair. Yeah. I remember the setup of of going over and... and, and, and... Tom Cruise movie. Um, <laughs> I <watched that> anybody? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I see a reference. Uh, but I, I remember going over and maybe you know being at class like three or four within like an hour and a half, two hours, and being like, I don't, I, I don't want to do this. Like I don't want to, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to keep this up. And she just like gave me a knowing glance of like, yeah, it's fine to to back off here. Um, we don't have to keep this up. And I was like, okay, but this is really fun. Um, but back to your original question, Jerry. So secondary holidays. Um, it's interesting you say uh, your preference there because I mean honestly my first holiday is Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving to me is is, is you is like a, that better than Christmas? Yes, hundred percent. Wow. Okay. Um, I mean Thanksgiving, I don't like, and this sounds like very hipster, but I, I don't like the commercialism of, of of Christmas. I like the sort of rawness of Thanksgiving, which is basically you spend time with family, you you start to reflect on what you're thankful for in the year. Um, that's that's top tier holiday to me. Um, Christmas is second tier holiday, um, along with every other one. I'd say Fourth of July. Fourth um, of July. The reason is is because I love my family, but it's more of a friends holiday. Um, you get together with friends more often on Fourth of July than you do with family. Um, so you get to sort of choose your audience there. I respect that answer, but actually, Levi, the reason I like Christmas is got because I do the same thing at Christmas. Like Thanksgiving, we just kind of have a meal but at christmas we do actually talk about like what went right what went wrong with the year you know, what we're happy for you know, thankful for whatever so we kind of do the same thing so I, I, I think i like the holiday for a similar reason why you like thanksgiving spencer oh well i've got two points commentary um bg i've actually become quite familiar with the jewish religious calendar just because of the fact that there are so many jewish people in the law in the legal practice and we want to <laughs> damn when one of my opponents cited, and I looked it up just to confirm, to be shvat as a yep. reason to miss a hearing, I suddenly had to become familiar with an entire religious calendar <laughs> that I did not know before. Miss, missing anything for to be shvat is, is, is hands down bullshit. But okay. Yeah, he, missed a, he missed a trial because of to be shvat. Which I, that, I looked that was, up. A, was that a colleague? No, it was an opponent. Oh, that's even funnier. Because as a colleague, like, I I probably would, if I were, you know, a, a, you know, as a, a similar position as you in, in a law firm, I would totally be like, hey, Spencer, I, I've got this Jewish holiday coming up. Like, it, it's the new year of the trees. Yeah. And we're, you know, we're planting trees. It's this whole thing. Like, can you take over, like, this case? Like, here's the work for it. Like, it's mostly done. Um, bye. No, I actually called him afterwards, and I, I think the rough rough paraphrasing of the conversation was, if you want to go to the judge and explain that you missed our trial because of Jewish Arbor Day, go on ahead. Um, <laughs> yeah, but they just got a nugget there, because, like, I know me. I'm, I have people who work for me, and if somebody came up and was like, yeah, I'm Jewish, I need to uh, take off some time for uh, uh, Shkaken, 
I'd be like, you're shocking. Yeah, of course. Yeah, at least do what you need to do. I mean, because uh, I don't know shit, you know. So I'm just, yeah, sure. Yeah. So, so the the best part that I don't know if you uh, found out when you looked this up, Spencer, is Tuishvat is literally the date and the month. Like it's not like otherwise a name of the holiday. It's yeah. literally the 16th day of the month Shabbat. Mm-hmm. Like Ides of March. Yeah. Exactly. So. Offer that. As for uh, secondary holidays, uh, I mean, you guys know that I'm the vanilla ice cream of people, so I don't have. For me, <laughs> you don't give yourself enough credit. You ate alone at a melting pot once. <laughs> oh, and, and actually, I appreciate that you bring that up. I, I was going to tease Spencer when he said, like, you know, pretty much any, like, pretty much most foods that you can get, you can get like a fast food version. Um, I just want to bring up fondue as like. That, that that's the like antithesis of any type of fast food and i would love to see like a fondue pot that like you plugged into a cigarette lighter and you're like sitting there with like <laughs> the no, melted whatever you, in your center console you hot say take, this be, be, go to leave hot take a lot of taco bell options are basically fondue <laughs> <laughs> Damn. yeah yeah I, the, it might be my white trash coming out but i like fondue <laughs> Uh, Unapologetic. I like it. Yeah, Not the chocolate, be, the cheese only. Uh, <laughs> BJ, I've had street fondue before. Someone just had a fondue pot. <laughs> what? Street fondue? fondue? Whoa! Whoa! Yeah. Okay. Spencer, Spencer you are impressive. not the vanilla ice cream of people. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Spencer. Give us context because I, I don't understand what any of these there, words mean. There's no story really. I, I'm trying to remember what city it was in. It was in like, New Orleans or Charlottesville, where a guy just had a fondue pot cooking in like a roadside stand. It was just handing out pot stickers to people. Were you, were you walking down the street, or did you stop your car oh uh, to go so go here? It was a walking street. Like it was like a, do- a dollar for like a pot sticker that he was had going in this fondue pot. Spencer, that is the the Wait, weirdest a, a story ever. Wait, a covered pot sticker. Ah. <laughs> BJ is offended at a very personal level. <laughs> uh, I'm try- it's been a while. I think it's like I think he had meat and cheese going and like his little pot of fondue that was just cooking. And he was just oh, give, so giving it was that fondue like it was a, a pot of broth. It was like a pot of broth. Everything else. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I just imagine. I mean, because it's the South, and like you, you never have any idea. Like they'll fry anything. Damn. Like oh yeah, <laughs> northern elitist. Jeez. He's from Maryland, by That's the way. Hillary lost the South. Technically, South Mason Dixon line, but yeah, South Mason Dixon line. So, so I have no allegiance to anything. Um, but, but, but yeah, I just imagine just like a vat of cheese, and it's just like, oh, you you want a a, a pot sticker? Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll dunk a pot sticker in there. You you want a a, a Mars bar? Like I'll dip the Mars bar in there. Just <laughs> oh, like God. you know, go for it. That, and I also yeah. see you, Spencer, just being like, I don't really like Mars bars. Do you have an almond joy that you could dip in the cheese? Because that would be so much better. What would you recommend? The, the, <laughs> okay. Returning to the point we started with. Uh, my primary enjoyment of holidays is based on how, how much other people enjoy them. So my two main holidays each year are Halloween and New Year's. Uh, for Halloween, because growing up, it was my mom's absolute favorite holiday. She would get dressed in full costume and would just look so forward to scaring or impressing little children to come to our door. And Bridget the same way. We recently, we until recently lived in Wilton Manors, which um, statistically is the second gayest town in America, and they throw one hell of a just close the entire town Halloween party, where it's just like six blocks of just straight 
Halloween block party. Well, not so straight. <laughs> the opposite of straight, yes. Uh, and so uh, between Bridget just adoring the holiday and us going out there and me enjoying it from primarily an anthropological perspective, just seeing <laughs> the event that would be put on, uh, yeah. Halloween has become a special part of my heart. And otherwise, New Year's, just because it has just become, for about the last 10 years, my excuse to see you guys each year. And so maybe a secondary holiday for some people, but for me it is just my favorite holiday of the year because whatever it costs, whatever burden it is, that is my mecca, and that is what I will enjoy each year just because it is returning me home. Spencer, oh, I, Spencer, I do need to say, you know it's more than a decade now. I I said a decade on purpose, though, because by about the first two or three New Year's, I did not come. I just got about 40 text messages from you guys till about 4 a.m., just nonstop. Spencer, you're an asshole. <laughs> it, it was straight that, it, like, but throughout the day. I mean, there was one point of where I was, I was with my parents. It was like the first year after we after I graduated, of where for some reason my dad had my phone, and for like four hours he would just look and say, uh, Spencer, your friends called you an asshole again? And he would just continually update me with that like four hours of where, okay, they called you a, and he'd look at it carefully because his, his like, vision wasn't perfect, and said, they called you a motherfucking dick, I think. Okay. That must have been fun to explain, though. That must have been fun to explain, where you're like, yeah, but I mean it in a good way. Well, <laughs> no, you got to experience that in person when uh, two of you guys showed up for uh, driving me down to Florida. Of where it was, it was a, who, who was it on the floor trip? It was Joey. It, it was Joey. It was BJ, and Levi. Yeah. Yep. Of where you guys were all there. Uh, Joey pretended to be interested in my dad's antiquities, as we had done for every prior trip. And as we were about to drive away, my dad pulled me inside and said, okay. I still think your friends are assholes, but having met them again in person after a couple of years, I trust Levi the most. Ride with him. <laughs> By the way, this, Bad judgment. Bad judgment. this this really should be on my resume. I can't find a reason to to justify it, but your dad's approval in this situation of he, – he knew me through your stories and a couple of interactions. He thinks that I'm suddenly the most responsible one uh, is, is a crowning achievement in my life, honestly. No, he, he even called me as we were leaving Iron Skillet to confirm again that I was driving with you because he trusted you the most for the drive down to Florida. Did you let your dad know that we're... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I called my dad to let him know we were reading an iron skillet, and he was vaguely familiar with it when he, would, when he used to be uh, working actively to drive it down on business. <laughs> so shout out to Iron Skillet, my favorite fast food, and I will put that in the biggest air quotes possible of it's a diner. Uh, long drive. Yeah, fair. It's closer to a yeah. diner than fast food, I think. Yeah, I don't know if I call it fast food, but I get what BJ's saying. I mean, like Waffle House, those types yeah. of chains. I mean, it's yeah. all kind yeah, of yeah. muddled together. But uh, Levi, you just triggered one of my favorite Levi memories. Um, do you remember when you put together your resume when we were at Saluda Court and you put down 28 years of general problem-solving skills? <laughs> <laughs> yes. You were 28, is. and you said 28 years of general problem-solving. So so the, the background here is I was applying for a job, uh, and they required you to answer a series of questions. And one of them was general problem solving or troubleshooting skills. Um, and at the time, I, I snarkily answered it with however old I was, 26, 28, whatever. I like how you um, didn't say like 26 and a half because like you don't have that introspection that like you probably weren't really solving problems until a little bit later in life. It was a drop down and there were full numbers uh, okay. to, your, to your point. But the key insight, the thing that, that, that reminds me that I'm a hilarious person is I forgot <laughs> it when okay. I went to and they asked me, what did you answer there? Uh, and, and or like, why did you answer this in, in this way? And I saw that and like laughed at myself and said, eh, I'm not dead yet. 
Uh, so. and, they're like, and they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, I figured some stuff out. I'm not dead yet. So so as a person who like looks at resumes and hires people, if somebody put that on a resume, they would get an interview, but they would not get a job. I would need to person. <laughs> you would just go to not hiring them, but I need It's to like, I want to talk to you. Yeah. Well, to be fair, you wouldn't force people to answer to answer those sort of drop down questions. Yeah, yeah but that, that's that's, that, that, that's not Lee. But but I also do appreciate like I just imagine some weird situation where where Lee comes across your resume and it's just like there is no fucking way I'm hiring Levi for any job at any company that I work for. But I'm that's, gonna have him in and we're gonna chat and it'd be funny. Literally against what everything Lee's told me. He's he's told me very, very in confidence like hey. I, I want you to be a highly paid specialist and not have no managerial duties uh, because you'd be very irresponsible there. Um, yes, but yeah. you are. You are a highly paid specialist. That's, that's, <laughs> what, I, that's what I think. Uh, um, yeah. So I'll answer the, the favorite secondary. Uh, Spencer, you, you kind of stole my thunder there. I was going to say New Year's as well. Uh, I, I look forward to that every year. We have a blast. Um, I think you said it's your mecca. I don't think I'd go that far. But I do, I do really love it. We have such a blast. But, it, you know, that aside, right, the personal relations aside, I love Halloween. And I don't like dressing up. I just like going and seeing people dressing up because I feel like people have a lot of fun at Halloween. That's like a low-key, like, maybe the most enjoyable holiday for people, especially kids. Like, I, I love going out and seeing kids, like, in trick-or-treating or in little parades or whatever. They seem to have a blast. So I like Halloween. You raise a very, very fair point. Um, I do really enjoy going to a friend of my girlfriend's, and I'm friendly with her, but funnily through my girlfriend, um, her place, and they have a lot of kids come up, and it's just just an adorable time uh, watching oh, little kids dressed up. And it's like, oh, what are you? I'm a fairy. And they always have like a Not little really. like pre-prepared speech when you say, oh, what yeah. are you? And they're like, I'm a fireman who just left a fire. You know, like they have some whole backstory to their costume. I think it's a lot of fun. It, it, it's fun, and it just shows the creativity of, of young kids, right? They have, they have this narrative in their head that they're willing to express to you, whereas an adult would be like, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a doctor. What right. kind of doctor? I don't, yeah. I don't know, man. I just, I got a lab coat on. I look like a doctor, I guess. Um, Spencer, you seem to agree? That's what I said when I said the anthropological experience, where Halloween is one of the most <laughs> enjoyable experiences to experience through other people, of where just seeing how much fun they have with their costume, with the events that are going on around them. Uh, and then going to a block party, it was fun to see like different age group versions of like Pikachu, of where like there was a two, <laughs> there was like a, a two year old walking around as Pikachu, there was a seven year old walking around as Pikachu, and then there was a thirty three year old man that was walking around as a very different Pikachu. And it was fun to see this everybody just having fun in their own particular way of enjoying the holiday. Yeah. Which, as you bring that up, um, you guys have seen the trailer for the the Pokemon movie. Oh, no. no. Like so the one the, back in the day, or is there a new Why would you assume out? that we have looked at that? Well, I swear it was a trailer of some movie I watched in the theater, and I remember watching it. It was probably a Marvel movie because I, I rarely watch movies in theaters. Um, but I watched it and was like, this is literally the worst thing in the world. Um, <laughs> I, I cannot imagine a, a worse concept of a movie. I understand why people would think it's marketable, but it looks terrible. There's a live action uh, 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 Pokemon movie. I had no idea that was a thing, and that sounds horrible. I've only vaguely been uh, made aware of this by a lot of memes on Reddit, but yeah, I don't I think I've like seen on Reddit too. Yeah, like I haven't seen any trailer or anything like that. Um, and also, like, so this is a a, a vague segue. Um, so you bring up watching uh, the Marvel movies in theaters, and 
um, one of my uh, friends here uh, was like, oh, you like want to go watch a movie? And, and so I think I'm going to be doing that later tonight once I sober up. Um, and I was like, well, so uh, I kind of want to see the Marvel movie, but I haven't seen like the past two or three Marvel movies. And I really do like watching them in order, but I'm way too lazy to actually like go watch them in theaters because I don't have like a theater buddy or anything like that. And so it's kind of like, well, I'd really like to watch the ones before it because I, I have no idea what's going on in the Marvel universe at this point. So I don't really want to watch that. And I just noticed how awful I've been about keeping up with movies that I care or pretty much anything that I care about doing in order. BJ, I'd like to jump in and hit on a phrase that you said that you probably think I would make fun of you for, which is theater buddy. Um, but I 100% understand what you're saying, right? If you have somebody who's willing to just go to the movie with you, you are – me anyway. I'm like 4,000 times more likely to actually go to the movie. So, Terry, uh, Monday. So Sam's going to be, be away next week, uh, which means Levi needs to watch a lot of shitty movies that he, he wouldn't watch normally around her. Um, Captain Marvel, hopefully in the, the, the bougie cinema in, in Chapeau. Let's do it. I'm down. Okay. Okay. So uh, in, in terms of like watch shitty movies, so uh, I think the plan is to watch uh, Alita Battle Angel, which I have absolutely no hope for uh, whatsoever, which is, which is the other thing it. that I really like about seeing movies, movies like that, I'm guessing, that I don't really have an expectation for, so I enjoy it a lot more than movies that I have some sort of like preconceived notion of like calling back to, to earlier in the episode where I was talking about the office. Another one of those was um, Anchorman where a friend of mine was just like, this is like the funniest movie that I've seen in years and whatever else. And I finally watched it and I was like, mm, it's okay. And so like, I am excited. I'm kind of ex like weirdly excited about this movie because I know going in that it's not going to be a good movie and that'll m allow me to enjoy it a lot more. Yeah. I mean, I mean yeah. we talked about the shared experience, that for me, uh, seeing a bad movie alone is not necessarily the most enjoyable experience, but seeing a bad movie with friends where you know going in it's a bad movie, you can just straight mystery science theater that thing, and it makes for a remarkably enjoyable experience. Spencer, were you there for our watching of Hobo with a Shotgun? No, I wasn't. I heard about it. You texted Ooh. me during it, but I was you not there out. for it. In that vein... Uh, that was good. Terry, do you, I, I'm sure you do, but do you recall us watching... Um, whatever the Spider-Man movie that was basically a teen drama, um, oh, us, walk, us walking uh, sort of drunkenly to watch this with Josh and a couple of, a couple of other folks, um, and you and I looking at each other like five, ten minutes in and being like, we're good, right? And we just like walked out. That was the funniest thing. Because <laughs> we were with a group of people. Who, who does this, right? Like it's kind of a crazy thing to do. We're with a group of people. And they're all there. And me and Levi just look and we're like, well, this is shit, right? All right, let's go. And we just left and went back to the apartment. <laughs> left all of the people there. And so like an hour and a half later, they come back. Terry and I have been, been, been you know, having a couple of drinks, just, you know, shooting the shit, whatever. Uh, and they're like, where were you guys? Like, we well, fucking well, left. Well, we left. <laughs> like, why would you? And our answer, our response back was like, I don't know. We paid our money. The money's gone. Let's just enjoy ourselves. That's a fun cost. Yeah. In terms of like a shared uh, experience and, uh, and movies, um, there's a, a movie that I finally watched again because it is quite a good movie, 
that, that we essentially did is the shared experience. Um, so fairly often when we get together as a group, uh, drinking is involved. And mm-hmm. when you guys were at, um, uh, wasn't, was it Saluda? I don't, I don't remember. There was a movie theater within walking distance. Saluda. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, we had all been yeah. drinking uh, a reasonable amount. And there was a movie out that pretty much everybody actually wanted to see. And we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah let, let's go do it. And, I, and this is um, the point in our relationship, myself and Lee, where Lee and I would, um, I think this was the first year where, where we sort of went drink for drink every so often. And I always came out on the uh, losing side of this. Um, and I think it was in later years where I was just like, all right, well, you can do like two or three to one for me and, and this might be a little <laughs> bit more fair. Um, but this was in, in the early years where A, I didn't, didn't really give a shit and B, I didn't understand um, the the depths of the waters that I was getting in. And so um, we were both fairly drunk and um, I believe Levi brought up going to see Django Unchained. And it was just like, you know, we'd all heard a lot about this movie and, and, and we were all excited to go see it. And especially as a group, so we could go talk to it afterwards, uh, talk about it afterwards. And we went and after about five minutes, I fell asleep. And, and when we were discussing the movie, I was like, yeah, I kind of want to see it, but I'm really drunk. Like there, we should not go see it right now. Like I'm pretty sure Lee is, is not on maybe the top of his game. He might not be, I'm sure he's not as drunk as I am, but like, I am not going to get anything out of this movie at this point. And, and everyone's like, no, I wasn't no, 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 either. no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's go see it. It'll be a lot of fun. And I slept through at least an hour and a half of that movie and woke up at different parts. And again, like a movie that, that you need to watch from, from start to finish, that is heavily one of them. I just remember um, there were a couple scenes that I woke up for, and one was uh, one of the the shootout scene towards the end. And I was just like, I kind of enjoy this, but I have no idea what's going on. Well, it's funny. I, I, when you started talking, I knew what you were going for. Cause I have that vivid memory of that. Uh, I want to see that movie. And I remember there wasn't a lot of people in the audience, but there weren't a lot of yeah. people in the audience. Uh, and I, I, I would pay a lot of money for just a picture of about 30 minutes into that movie because your head was on my shoulder asleep. My head was on your head asleep. <laughs> and we were in this like theater alone. <laughs> People would walk in and be like, look at that cute couple. <laughs> really, we were just a couple of drunk idiots. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure Josh and Levi were there and maybe one other person. And so, I'm pre- Levi, did you, were you sober enough to watch the movie? Because like, I, I, I have distinct, certain distinct memories, but my memory of the entire event is very much not distinct. Uh, yeah, very unspecific. I remember the concept. And- <laughs> I remember the concept that we went to a movie. <laughs> Maybe we can get some outside corroboration because I'm pretty sure Josh was there and, and he's uh, a little bit more of a teetotaler than the rest of our group. And this also could have not made at all of an impression. So he has absolutely no memory of the event. Because yeah, it's like, him, it's yeah, it's just movie. like a Saturday, like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we're getting toward the end of the podcast. BG, I think this is the part of the podcast where you start pressuring Spencer to drink. Um, yeah, I, I usually do that. Um, Spencer, since you don't have the small bottles, I feel like um, you, you should just house that Kirkland bottle. 
Bathroom bottle, as you can see, is still about half full. That is a lot of liquor right there for a Saturday. Yeah, but it's not like a liter, so whatever. To reuse the phrase from before, <laughs> failure of imagination, Spencer. <laughs> uh, yeah, half liter. Uh, I've been making the bourbon part of my day at that point. Uh, I'm curious, though, if we're, if we're finishing up. Um, this being my first time offering you guys bourbon by long distance, uh, what are your opinions? Uh, would you recommend either, and what would you recommend them for? Well, so I think the, the big question that I have on the second bourbon, because I know what I'm going to say about the first one. Um, <laughs> I think I do, too. Is price point, because a lot yes, of... The, I got it at Total Wine. I don't know if it's offered more broadly than that. I was going to say, uh, before you, you say where. anything, a lot of new distilleries, Good and I completely understand why, offer their whiskeys at between like 50 and 80, usually as a, like a first outset, and sometimes some of their fancier ones closer to like 100. Mm-hmm. And I get why they're doing it, and I completely understand, and I feel them as a business, but when they're competing in the broader market, those price points are a little bit harder to justify unless like you feel something in terms of like wanting to buy local, wanting to support local businesses, which I 100% am behind. One of my favorite breweries has what would otherwise be very fairly pricey beer, but I know it goes into it and I like the people there and I like supporting them. And so um it's it's very much a it's hard to make a comparison when there's all that other stuff going into it i'm looking it up right now to confirm i think i actually paid more for Don't you have the receipt spencer i i've got the i'm looking at it online because it's on total wine uh he's got the receipt i shut up i <laughs> think I, I think i paid more than this but right now online it is 450 dollars even so it's on the lower end of that price point so yeah, BJ, good call. Yeah, BJ, I was shaking my head while you were talking because I completely agree. Uh, new distilleries will pop up. I feel like their price point is higher than it should be considering mm-hmm. the market, but that's just because they're trying to generate enough revenue to continue. And as we talked about earlier, uh, to be able to actually store whiskey and actually let it age. Because you think about the capital required. I mean, it's, it's a lot of money. Um, but I do like this whiskey. Um, I don't know that I like it. $60 worth, but, you know, if I was supporting a local business, as BJ pointed out, yeah, sure, I'd, I'd, I'd get, get it. So, yeah, that's a good call. Uh, I will say the first one, um, yeah, nothing. Like, not at all. Uh, you know, it's kind of, you know what it reminds me of? Like a, and I, I've made this comparison a few times, on, but like a blended Canadian whiskey. It's, it's supposed to be sweet, and it's supposed to be um, mixed yeah, um, and so actually one of the things that, that I'd sort of been pondering, which was um, basically, I, I think uh, Whole Foods and Trader Joe's and whatever else have their own, like all of them have their own lines of whiskeys. And um, I, again, North Carolina is not so friendly with the uh, everybody can sell whiskey, um, but picking those up and trying them. And the, the reason that I've strayed away from that is like, do I want to inflict that upon myself and my friends? Um, and even if they're fine, that's that, expensive. Well, and, and I guess that that's I think the thing about this pod where you and I, Lee, are fans of whiskey. Like we are, we have spent time in our lives and effort and money on exploring whiskey. Where I feel like Levi and Spencer are a little bit more like, yeah, we. 
um, well, at least one of one of them. Yeah, we enjoy Maybe. wiki, but um, you know, a, a lot of this is spending time with people. And Spencer is just you can be talked into a lot of things where a lot of us just uh, make fun of you for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, <laughs> so that idea of getting like uh, a Sam's Club whiskey or, or uh, Trader Joe's whiskey, I feel like is more in line with something that you would do, Spencer, and I think would be interesting to review, but I feel like uh, Lee and, and I come to it as a point of like, we feel that the onus is on us to like uh, acculture you to the thing that we enjoy. And I felt the need to get one that was generic, that just a, a coworker had recommended. And then I thought, felt the need to explore a bit more broadly to see, give you guys something you hadn't actually experienced before. I would like to point out, uh, BJ, BJ's right, but Spencer, I still really appreciate you doing the, the whiskey. I don't want to throw yeah. too much shade. Like, it's <laughs> effort, to it. money. We appreciate it. Thank you for doing yeah. it. So I'm getting the review that the St. Augustine is good in its own right, and the Kirkland is maybe useful as a mix. It's probably yeah, it's like it's like well whiskey. Yeah, um, I, you know, if if you're going to be an alcoholic and and you don't want something that's too too rough on your palate, then uh, the the Kirkland whiskey is is a good way to go. And I feel like very much suits Florida as a state. I think you're being a little too harsh, but 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 ultimately fair, right? It's better than well. It's not you, Jim Dean, but. Yeah, it's yeah, it's fine. All right, all right, guys. Anything else you want to cover before we wrap up? I think not. But I think we've done a, a pretty good job. Yeah, I've had a lot of fun. Okay, well, we're gonna wrap up whiskey on the weekend. Thank you guys for joining me. Check out our other pods on the Mango Talk Podcast channel at www.mangotalk.com or on the official wherever you get your podcast. Thanks, everybody. See you. Soon.